Hi, I'll keep this simple. If you would like to help out the network and help out this show, you can go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and uh, consider kicking us some uh, some money. We uh, uh, offer plenty of reward tiers at all kinds of levels with good stuff, so go check out the offerings. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireball's Dispatch, our monthly Q&A listener response game announcement show. Listen, you know how this is going to go. We're going to answer your questions. We have a topic, and then we're going to read your responses to June's games. And uh, as a little bit of a dessert, we're going to reveal what we're going to be playing in August. Extremely Mike Ehrmantraut voice. You know how this is going to go. <laughs> uh, it's a special day, Cole. Is it a special day, Gary? June 15th. It is uh, Pocket's birthday. Oh, it's his prime day. It is a prime. Pocket is now, uh, for people who don't know, <laughs> cats go through multiple life stages. I found this out of the vet. Okay. Uh, they're kittens, juveniles, primes, <laughs> uh, adult like senior geriatric. Okay. Okay. So he, he's in the literal prime of his life right now. Nice. Three years old. Oh, what a good yeah. boy. Yeah. yeah. Three years with the big man. Nice. You know, looking, oh, looking back. Con- congratulations. I, yeah. He's, he's, he's doing good. I had all kinds of plans for him and then a car crashed in my house last night. <laughs> so really stole the thunder from pocket. A little day. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it stole his grief. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it stole his valor. It was the Punisher, man. They had Punisher stickers all over that. that so, we need Gary. We need to save that for Abject Suffer. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, but it, it was literally like, oh, back the blue. Oh no, the blue. I got to hit and run <laughs> after I hit this person's car. It was it was a brand new car, like with no less than four Punisher stickers, like nice. Punisher skull flags. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good <laughs> okay, on you. R- rats off to you. Yeah, yeah Semper Fi. <laughs> um, <laughs> you piece of shit. Um, oh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of a weird day <laughs> at the Butterfield household. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks out from the move, just yeah. under the wire. <laughs> you know, just uh, uh just it's, it, it's a it's the house version of retirement. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just two weeks left to retire, man. <laughs> um, uh, it is, uh, it is bonkers, but we'll we'll definitely talk about that in abject suffering. Yeah, uh, we have we have actual things to talk about here. But I wanted to give a heads up to listeners because I'm going to yawn and be tired a lot because a car crashed into my house at 3 a.m. So yeah, I'm just you know I'm sleepy. Oh man, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I am I am happy that you and Pocket are okay. Yeah, everyone is okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll get to start here with a comment from Evan. Evan says, uh, less of a question, more of a response to the statement, how much blood is on Mario's hands? Uh, this is referencing the uh, Super Mario 3D world thing where we're talking about how every time Mario doesn't summarily execute Koopa, he is responsible for all the crimes Koopa commits mm-hmm. afterwards. 
Uh, Evan goes on. I disagree. I don't think Mario is letting Bowser live. Live. He brutally murders King Koopa on many occasions, be it lava or explosive spiked balls. And Bowser keeps on being resurrected through magical means by. Uh, and it says games, but I imagine that's um. Common name. Com- uh, the the, uh, the wizard. Yeah. You know, the little tiny wizard Koopa. Yeah. Uh, whose name is escaping me right this second. Uh, Mar- uh, Mario is using any means necessary to save his homeland, but he's facing a never-ending threat from an undead abomination. Also, you guys keep referring to being pancaked by a drunk dump truck driver, uh, bringing back repressed uh, repress traumatic memories of a story I should not have read. Oh, no. Uh, somebody, somebody read the Tiny Dinky Daffy Chronicles <laughs> and <laughs> Tiny Dinky Daffy Origins. I'm going to fucking kill you, Bart Hurley Jarvis. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Bart Hurley Jarvis. I hope you Um, die. Um, Yeah, yeah, I don't know what story that Evan is referring to. Uh, In in some games, Bowser explicitly comes back as Dry Bowser, which I think that (laughs) it's a Dry Bowser. Yeah. Nearly it's Big Wet Bowser. In in Bowser's Fury, it's Big Wet Bowser. Mm, He is big and wet. And then... Yeah. He's extremely big and extremely big, big, big. <laughs> and he's wet, wet, wet. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess I guess he does have an undead quality to him. But so does Mario. Mm-hmm. You know, Bowser could also just have like extra lives. Yeah, true. So they're just running out the clock. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's a cursed Mario. Seek, seek lest, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, moving on to questions, Andrew writes, often, quote, ludonarrative dissonance is spoken of as a bad thing, that it's a mismatch of narrative and gameplay that undermines both. But are there any examples where a ludonarrative dissonance is actually a positive, where the mismatch between narrative and gameplay has an interesting, emotional, and or entertaining effect? Um, and I'll just do a blanket answer here where I will say that um, I will always favor fun over realism uh, mm-hmm. generally. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you could you could go too far with the reason why ludonarrative dissonance became kind of an annoying buzzword is because people, uh, armchair critics, like kind of, you know, us as well, yeah. uh, took it too far and use it too liberally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like it's not really a good example of bad ludonarrative dissonance when um you know uh you can share items across uh you know in the middle of battle even though you're not staying next to each other yeah you know that that's uh that is technically ludonarrative dissonance kind of by the biggest stretch of the definition but it's it favors fun yeah um i think what andrew's probably referring to more like the classic example that pops to hit to my mind is them uh the gamify gamified part of call of duty 4 when you're dropping the bombs, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that is very realistic. So it's not really, uh, dissonance, but the idea there is to try to give you that, like I'm playing a video game, but people are actually dying, Mm -hmm. uh, feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you're just literally clicking, you know, and that's, that's, uh, art, you know, imitates life. But I think that's the er example I can think of, of, you know, popular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like there are times where just, you're just sometimes doing something dumb that just satisfies the requirement that this needs to be a game that fits an interaction model. I think that ludonarrative Mm -hmm. dissonance as a criticism is a bit of an outcropping of just a general, I'm tired of shooting people in games kind of, uh, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, that, that became just like a pseudo academic way of saying that, of saying why, 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 why always kill? Yeah. 
Yeah, you, you 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 know every every video game, almost every video game protagonist has body counts in the like quadruple digits. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas in real life, uh, killing somebody, mm-hmm. you know, should be should be taken with more care than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, but in uh, in video games, it's not. And it, I will always point to the thing that I is I feel like is the counter argument for every single one of those, which is genre. Yeah. You know, like it's just the video games are emulating pop culture genres mm-hmm. action and sci-fi and horror yeah and those uh genres in any medium have really high body counts mm-hmm. um you know? i'll say this one uh you most of the time that you spend in pathologic uh has you scrounging around in trash cans and trading needles to kids for pills which mm-hmm. you not not you know doesn't make any sense given like what the story actually is which is you going around and you know trying to work with the leaders of the town to stop it from falling apart in the middle of a catastrophe. But yeah, it's weird that nobody will spot you a sandwich. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> but, drop a fry. Yeah. Like n- nobody, n- nobody will do that. Whereas you'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty weird that you're under the employee, but you're not given a per diem. Yeah. Right. That, that they're, they're not giving you a, sl- a slice of bread and some canned some canned vegetables, you know, to, yeah. to, to, to get going, you know, but I think that that is, you know, that loop is crucial to the sense of privation and always being on the edge. Right. Yeah. That, that's a weird, that's an interesting example of this because in, in a weird way, it's, it's ludonarrative consonants in mm-hmm. giving you that feeling of, of you know, deprivation and what you're doing. It just doesn't make sense for the people you're working with in the circles. It's almost like the, from the gameplay side, you play one of the, the, you know, unhomed kids. And then mm-hmm. from the story side, you're playing like an outside consultant. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just off the top of our head. So there definitely are times where it's like way more times you might think that it's useful sometimes where it's intentional to make a point, but a lot of times just to make video games, uh, not horrible to play. Yeah. I would say, mm-hmm. um, Jacob says, uh, we were talking in the Slack about not understanding obvious or intuitive rules about engaging with games that can generally be translated across all games in a genre. Moonborn said their example was being too stubborn and not understanding that you always have to engage with every mechanic in a character action game, uh, even if they have a high learning curve. Otherwise, you'll run into a brick wall eventually. My example was realizing that developers are generally trying to help you out with specific weapon placements and shooters. So if you get a new gun or there's a specific pickup before an encounter, the encounter will most likely be easier if you use that pickup. Understanding that item placement was often intentional really escaped me until my early 20s. Uh, what other commonly understood facts or tips about games escaped you for longer than you, they probably should have? Um, uh, games are balanced and designed to use your consumables. Yes. Um, and um, and uh, uh, oftentimes what seems like the obvious way to go is actually the obvious way to go um, when you're that, navigating that too, stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, like spending a lot of time just like digging Don't. on the corners of, of walls and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, spending yeah. so much time uh, second guessing yourself and like getting into weird little bargaining, uh, you know, uh, sessions with your imagined version of the designer thinking, OK, you're trying to trick me, but you, you know yeah. that I know that you're trying to trick me. So you're doing this. Well, no, oftentimes they're just trying to guide you the next thing. Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to end up in that scene in princess bride. Right. Uh, forgive every, for everyone, forgive the background noise. They're, uh, putting up a temporary wall from a car, uh, <laughs> last night at 3am crashed into my house. Yeah. Uh, waking me up and, uh, disturbing several lamps. <laughs> so, uh, it should not take long. They're fixing. Have, have, you, have, have, you, have you notified the lamps families? 
<laughs> I'm lampless. Repeat, lampless. Um, the lamps actually ended up okay. Yeah, lamps are expensive. Uh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you bought um, lamps recently, but they're costly. They can. Be. I'm, I'm super rich on lamps now due to some oh. circumstances. So okay, so I'm like I'm a lamp lord. Oh, look at me! Um, la, la, la. All yeah. right. The uh, but yeah, for me, uh, I think you know it is so common that people just don't use consumables in games. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you will have more fun playing video games once you murder that part of you and drown it in a fucking river. Yep. Like, you can just use the stuff. Yeah. It's there and it's more fun. Mm-hmm. Like, not only is it, you know, it, it might be like, you know, the, the argument is like, oh, I might need it later or like, oh, it won't be challenging if I don't use that. Mm-hmm. Like, no, 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 no. Video games, once you strip away all of those unique selling features, like, you can play Dishonored without using the powers. Yep. And, and and stuff like that, but why? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's the selling point of the game. Yeah. Use all your shit. Mm-hmm. You know, don't subject yeah. yourself to artificial privation. Yeah, the hair's gonna the hair's gonna go back, grow back, right? Yep. So do whatever you want no, with it. <laughs> there's always another appetite. Yeah, you know, you can't spoil your appetite by eating a cookie because if you wait a little bit, mm-hmm. you'll you'll want to eat again. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, uh, yeah, so that is the big thing that, I, and, you know, going into the original question, uh, that's definitely something designers do mm-hmm. intentionally, like something will be like a bullshit encounter. And then I'll just be like, man, this is just really fucking hard. And then yeah. it becomes super doable if I use my stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Abram writes over the past year, I've really gotten into the link to the past randomizer. I love the way it remixes one of my favorite games and turns it into a logic puzzle. And it's got many formats, cross keys, inverted, etc., uh, to keep things interesting. Uh, what do you think about randomizers? Are there games that they really do or do not work with? Are they transformative or nostalgia bait? Love the show, and I especially love these dispatch episodes. I'm happy you like these, Abram. Yeah, thanks, Abram. They're they're fun for us. Yeah, as well. Uh, Dark Souls randomizer. Really? Dark Souls randomizer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some of the most fun that I've had with Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, I have wanted to fuck around with the Link to the Past one and the Super Metroid one. Yep. Um, and just haven't. And the Resident Evil one, which I know you recommended to me, yes. which sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't because I haven't had time. I had trouble um, getting the Resident Evil randomizer to work. I'm worried that a patch might have broken it. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I, I, uh, I tried to stream the... it for fun one night and it didn't work. That may have just been my weird PC. but Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that, that seems like a game that would, would benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, from it so yeah i think i think they're cool i think they're transformative uh there's a little bit of like not nostalgia bait but there's a little bit of just i want to be in those locations mm-hmm. you know with like the dark souls one we did a whole uh, for people who don't listen to it because they don't like dark souls mm-hmm. um for this topic specifically abram if you're not a dark souls person listen to the dark souls randomizer episode of bonfireside chat because yeah. we go into the value of randomizers in general quite a bit mm-hmm. and we both posted a randomizer run of the of the game as well yeah. Um, Andrew F. asks, uh, Cole, what is one game that you love that Gary hates or dislikes? Uh, same question to Gary. What do you love that Cole doesn't? Oh, throw in any kind of visual novel style game. Um, I have patience for those, whereas Gary doesn't. Um, you know, I think that I, I don't know if you dip your toe into it, but like I have time to fuck around with Virtue's Last Reward. And that would be absolute poison to Gary, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, let me know the, if, those, I'm, if I'm being unfair. Yeah, Danganronpa, Steins Gate, uh, like these. The, I got more, got more waiting on my on my Switch right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> time, time travel games that are about alternate realities. <laughs> yep, and and anime people. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, 
but, you know, uh, we don't have to like all of the exact same things. And a cool thing about doing this network is I've got people I can talk to about them with. Um, you know, Den- uh, Dennis likes those games as well on the level. And Jala and I have uh, kind of like mini waffs that we do about those. Uh, she kind of hate plays them, though, right? Uh, she like I, I got the impression she gets cranky about them. Uh, she sometimes get cranky, gets cranky about them, but it's more like clowning on the dialogue and stuff. She generally oh, gotcha. like in, enjoys enjoys them. She likes Steins Gate. She likes Phoenix Wright and all that. I'm I'm a little bit more friendly to Phoenix Wright than the other ones because yeah, I think yeah. the courtroom evidence kind of stuff is really cool gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like I, the stories in those games tend to really push me off, but I think that that's cool to play. Yeah. Uh, Will's real into those too. If you're ever looking for somebody else to talk about nice, those kind of things with. Yeah. Um, and then something that I really love that you hate. It's um, good luck identifying something I outright hate Gary. <laughs> yeah. You, there's not a whole lot that you hate. Like I'm definitely bigger into roguelikes than you are. Yep. Um, I would say like, but it's not hate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, that's just kind of like more my exact pocket. Mm-hmm. Like I have, a, I have a deeper appetite for them. Yeah, go go back and uh, listen to the Monster Train and Gungeon episodes. Uh, there may be yeah. more coming in the future. Um, yeah, which are like both uh, games you liked. Yeah, but weren't you know? Yeah. Like those things are you know are are so for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I enjoy my time them. with them, but they're not in my blood. You know. Yeah, it's yeah. probably the closest thing. Um, and Brave Fencer Musashi, which I don't <laughs> love. I just have nostalgia for. Right. You know. But love would probably be pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Connor writes, uh, not sure if this is too personal, so please ignore if you feel weird about discussing it. But I was wondering if you play certain games or certain types of games to get yourselves out of a depressive or anxious funk. Or conversely, uh, was there a particular game that put you into a bad headspace uh, that you had to put down? I love Bloodborne, for example, but it occasionally triggers an anxiety response in me uh, that I'll need to walk away from. Yeah. Um, I will use video games to get away from this. Uh, it doesn't necessarily get me out of an anxious or depressive funk. It just kind of distracts me. Yeah. Uh, like everything, which is great. So I will go back to old standbys. Like I'll play Isaac or I'll play uh, whatever roguelike I'm currently jamming on. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> excuse me, something I eat. Uh, the, uh, I don't know how much that's coming through on the mic, but somebody is drilling right next to my window. Yeah, it came, um, it came through a little bit, but, uh, not, not as much as you think probably. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's just very funny because yeah. it happens every time I open my mouth and just like, <laughs> um, I very rarely get put into that state by video games. Um, if I'm already in like an anxious or depressive state and I'm playing something that I need to play on a deadline, mm-hmm. it kind of doesn't matter what it is, but I'll get crankier and more like oh fuck this like yeah i will get kind of irritated but uh it doesn't put me into it due to subject matter like i can just pick up bloodborne and i i find souls like games like in a general sense relaxing yeah yeah um you know to play Mm -hmm. so yeah games generally don't tend to affect my mood one way or another like the the, the mm-hmm. closest that it gets to like a game having a negative effect on me is when I fall into a hole with it. Uh, see something like uh, you know Stardew, yeah, yeah Stardew, uh, Frostpunk, uh, RimWorld, Prison Architect, any of those. Minecraft was that for a good long while. Um, yeah, so that th- that's more of like an addiction compulsive kind of thing, and I feel I don't feel bad because I'm in it. I feel bad because of other things I'm not doing. Because I'm doing, yeah. I'm, I'm engaging in those and in, in those compulsively. Uh, as for the first one, like if I'm depressed or anxious, which is more of the time than I would like, which would be zero. I would like for it to be zero. 
playing games to like get out of that is actually not really good because uh, my depression manifests a lot of the time in just complete disinterest in things that I actually like, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of classical clinical kind of thing. So it's just really hard for me to, you know, stay focused on, to stay attached to uh, kind of like any given task. If there's not an external, if there's not an external, you know, deadline or thing like forcing me to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, when you watch Simpsons or Bob's, Bob's Burgers or something. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And you just put on something comforting. Yeah. Uh, Biff, uh, or uh, yeah, Biff asks, uh, hey, chaps, quick question. What's your favorite gaming environment? I always buy games on my PC, but never end up playing them as I work at my desk all day. I tend to play on the TV downstairs because my kids play the console too. Uh, but my favorite is plugging the console into my bedroom TV and sitting in my office space. Boring question, I know, but I was interested in your thoughts. No, I don't think this is a boring question. I think this is uh, an opportunity to be hashtag relatable. Sure. sure. <laughs> We're always working on our relatability Q ratings. Yep. Uh, yeah, um, people find you unapproachable as as, as straight, white, middle-aged, overweight men <laughs> in the prime of their lives. They, people find you un, unapproachable. Um. Uh, I, uh, for me, I like, uh, I'm pretty actually agnostic about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, when I worked at a computer, I didn't like sitting at my computer as much, but I also have a strong, like sitting down, losing track of time and playing like a CRPG mm-hmm. feelings at my computer. That's very positive to me. Yeah. Um, like losing myself in a Baldur's Gate or what have you. Um, they associate with that. Um, I like lounging on my couch. I have a comfortable couch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and I like playing games, uh, on my switch before bed. Uh, yeah. So I like I like it all, baby. Um, the one the one thing I have not has never gelled with me is being outside. Um, I've tried it not mm-hmm. just for boktai purposes, but like just because it's like oh it's nice. Like maybe I'll sit under a tree and play my switch. Yeah, I can't. Uh, that, that just makes me feel like the whole world is staring at me. I cannot disappear. Yeah, that's for reading. I like reading outside or reading on a, on a porch or a deck. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that for sure. Yeah. Uh, um man i, I just the, the entire time i was in college my bedroom was the one that had the uh that had the deck out front and that was just perfect Ooh, nice. yeah um yeah so for me pretty agnostic in general i have a nice television and a very very comfortable oversized overstuffed recliner uh that i like being in and it's a situation when, when i'm in it and i'm playing a game i have a little stand for my uh for my ipad where I can type mm-hmm. and make notes. Um, and uh, my cats will sit on my lap, sometimes two at a time, which is great while I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, that's I think, when I'm most comfortable uh, doing uh, doing that out in the living room in that exact situation. It's it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, you know, it's nice to have a variety of all of situations mm-hmm. that I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, let's do one more, uh, of these here. Uh, Maya, okay. uh, I just, I just, I, I know the last d- dispatch went like an hour, half hour too long. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a lot of responses and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. These questions will keep. Yeah. Uh, but Maya writes, uh, I've always been a fan of the call of uh, the call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game. Um, and it's, and uses of sanity mechanics and RPGs. But lately I've seen many people in the community citing these systems as ableist and othering in regards to, uh, gamifying mental health. I am torn as to how to feel, uh, because yes, as a neurodiverse, as a neurodiverse individual and a fan of these sorts of mechanics, I do find the relegation 
obligation of mental health and certain real life hardships that many go through uh, to a roll of the dice or a flip of the bit troubling. Uh, do you think these can still be enjoyed with a grain of salt um, as I have done? Or do you think we should work as a whole to find better ways to include sanity mechanics or representation in our own entertainment? Uh, this is something that I sometimes run into, uh, being a fan of horror games, where oftentimes mm -hmm. they'll just, you know, in instant horror, just put it in an asylum. Uh, to me, that is less about like the horror in those situations. I have decided for, for me personally is less about the people there and more about the inhumane treatment of the people there <laughs> is, is oftentimes why that symbolism works for me and you know it and is used in in, in horror a lot of the time um, that's been it's been that way for for a long time like yeah. the cuckoo's nest you yes. know is like that's not about what a fucked up dude the chief is <laughs> right <You know>? yeah. <laughs> it's like right. the, the 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 critique of the institution itself has been around for a long time yeah yeah and so and so i think that you know i if it comes down to a choice of you know what are they what are they looking at <laughs> deciding whether or not this is problematic using those oftentimes it is the treatment of the people that uh that i find that i choose to find scarier or choose to re read into the work itself as far as mechanics I, I don't know. I'm pretty much in the same boat as you, Maya. I yeah. I think it's fine to enjoy with a grain of salt. Yeah. Like I I, I got a bad brain. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that if that makes it okay for me. And if somebody were like, "Hey, it's really disappointing to me that you love Darkest Dungeon, even though it has sanity mechanics in it." Um, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you sorry to disappoint. I suppose. Like I yeah. I recognize why the critiques of it. It just you know there's no ethical consumption. Everybody draws their own line, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and to me, there is, uh, it is almost more insidious and gross to just be like, yeah, your, your mind and emotions cannot be touched by outside events. Yeah. You know, like it is okay to have this person defenestrated or bisected in half, mm -hmm. but having them become manic is a bridge too far because there are people who are really manic. Like, yeah. to me, that feels like an arbitrary line. Again, yeah. not telling anybody what they can or should be offended by or mm -hmm. hurt by, but yeah. like there are also people who really lose limbs and yeah, there there are people, people who really who, go through all this stuff. People who lose loved ones to murder, right? Not yeah. to not, and, not to not to what about it, but they're you know like the, this all is included, um, you know, and worth looking at if we are worrying about how people feel. Yeah, the uh, it, yeah, so like something you know where they use that um, in say like a darkest dungeon thing context i really like that because it's like hey these people are being it's part of the theming of the game it's not done trivially mm -hmm. like the idea that you are sending grist into a mill is the thematic and mechanical focus of that game yeah you know the disposability of, of these people and them coming away affected in ways that affect the the gameplay mm -hmm. that is permanent on them or that you can you know sometimes treat and everything i think is actually like a better use yeah. than to just ignore it Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's a, a degree of willful omission to all video games just to make them video games. Like you're not accounting for everything. Yeah. I don't understand why accounting for mental health, if you're doing it respectfully and you're not doing it to make fun, mm -hmm. is the deal breaker. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's different if you're just like, oh, like uh, this town is being haunted by uh, a mentally ill person and everybody should lock up their doors and be scared. Mm hmm. 
you know, like that's a, that's a thing that where it's like, okay, you know, maybe that's bad or like, oh, that, you know, uh, the poor people of the city are, are rioting. It's, it's dark Knight rises or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like I could see that being, you know, that's, oh, the, you know, Joker recruits these mentally ill people mm-hmm. that shouldn't be played as a joke, but a sanity mechanic specifically, I think is in a gray area for me that I, I accept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also am more concerned about you know, even just like assumptions that are built into a story. Did you ever play it's a game called the park? Uh, it's a game that, um, I think Majesco or Funcom, no Funcom made, uh, using assets from, uh, the secret world. It's like a horror walking simulator kind of game. I did not. Yeah. Uh, th- that one ultimately boils down to, uh, this person was, you know, was mentally ill and took medication. It wasn't that bad. It, it actually like really sucked. <laughs> okay. like it's, it sucked the mood from this guy that that's what they pulled away from is, you know, l- look at the damage these psych meds did to this, you know, did to this person. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, or like Senua's sacrifice, which is controversial, you know, like it was even controversial mm-hmm. among the responses of people who wrote in, but like we looked at that as like being really dicey it, it, when it, talks about using you know psychosis or altered perceptions or dissociation more yeah as a um as a uh, um uh superpower right you yeah. know uh yeah. that's this, that that feels weird to me <laughs> you know yeah it, it's it's like any of those things where it's like how you you know you you know it when you see it and you'll you'll figure out what makes you feel hinky. Mm-hmm. So you know I don't want to tell anybody they shouldn't feel hinky, right? Or right. that uh, you know it's it's bad. But I also don't want to be told that I should feel hinky about that because to me it exists in the gulf of like yeah. judgment call. Um, and something that is that, that that is true about these, as somebody who has been poking into and out of even Call of Cthulhu and different systems, you know, as they have like, you know, just comparing editions and stuff like that. This is something that's getting better and has more nuance, actually. Um, oh, yeah. Like they have developed a more sophisticated vocabulary and some of the later books even, you know, address some of the troubled aspects of the past, you know, directly in their text and say, hey, here's what we're doing to try and make this just a little bit better uh, for everybody. I think that that makes the systems more interesting, interesting, too. So it's not a static uh, thing either. No, no. I mean, if people, you know, this is a you know, pull, like, don't make me tap the sign. If people aren't allowed to get better, like, what's the point? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we, we have to allow creators to learn from this stuff and we can't just hold people on pass fail mm-hmm. based on the standards of the 1980s. Yep. You know, like Call of Cthulhu came out, you know, in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a role-playing game. Um, and, I don't, I don't want to be judged for all the things I did in the eighties, you know, <laughs> neither, <laughs> neither all, do all I time in the vice squad. Neither do I know? for a good portion of the eighties. I couldn't control my bowels. So yeah. Yeah. You, you were in, you were a zygote man <laughs> for quite a bit of that. Yeah. You can't be held responsible for things you do as a zygote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Swing wildly pro-life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> zygote should be trying as adults. Like, uh, mask off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mask off um oh, but yeah fuck. so it, it i know that's a stock answer for a lot of these moral issues around games but like mm-hmm. you know draw your line yep i i think it's okay personally yeah moving on to life questions uh matt uh says some nice things about uh comparing our uh old bonfire side chat episodes to more more recent one mm-hmm. it says that we're better than uh but thank you thank matt. you I, yep. I, it would be weird if we didn't get better <laughs> 
Like, I think we should have quit by now if we didn't get any better at it. No. Cue angry person telling us that we haven't gotten better about it uh, and just got worse. Um, Second, uh, please analyze this recurring dream I've had for years. Generally, I find out that my apartment building has a brand new or secret that I didn't know about endless restaurant hall or food court in it with everything I could possibly want. Where once was a lobby and a parking garage is now miles of pizza, noodles, chicken wings, and ice cream sundaes. In my dreams, I don't think I ever eat the food. I think I just get overwhelmed by choice, like walking around Disney World trying to figure out which ride to go on first. These are generally the happiest dreams I have, weirdly enough, and the rest are all about missing flights and not studying for tests. Is there some deeper meaning here, or am I just a hungry boy? Uh, and then a quick little lightning round bonus question. What am I choosing on the endless food court from heaven? Or what are we choosing? I mean, it's pretty hard to go wrong with Mongolian barbecue. Mongolian barbecue is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of variety. Um, I, you, you, can, you, you can make it. You can make your own. Yeah. Yeah. And you could get uh, vegetables in there and stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh, which is good. Um, you know, so you don't die. Yeah. So you get your um, vitamins and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe like if it wasn't food court sushi, like mm-hmm. unlimited good sushi would be great. Yeah, it would. You know, but food court. Yeah. Um, and then as far as what that that dream means, I don't know. There's probably is writing about how like so many dreams are about finding secret how parts of your house. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's I like love a really it. Really common thing. Yeah, yeah. That, I I love that it is so common, and I love those dreams. You know, like uh-huh. I will often find a door and then realize that where I'm living is actually connected somehow to every place I have ever lived before and walk mm, through all like, of it. it, it yeah, yeah, it's kind of kind of like idea. what remains of Edith Finch, kind of, you know, yeah, it's a um, super neat idea. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's cool. It's like a nice nostalgic feeling. You know, I, like in the past, I have kind of associated finding the extra the, the extra door, you know, to the wing of the apartment you didn't realize was there as just kind of like dissatisfaction with where I lived. Like, oh, this is tiny. I don't have what I want because oftentimes what I found through there was, you know, some something that I was missing where I was living. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to be the, the killjoy who says I don't put any stock in dreams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a general sense. Like, I, I think that, uh, you know, like I it is probably I, I only have nightmares about missing flights mm-hmm. uh and i feel like that probably does reveal that i i'm don't want to miss flights yeah <laughs> uh you know ding 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 <laughs> solve the case uh yeah. freud um but in der- in terms of dreams being like interpretive or anything like that i generally kind of don't really mm-hmm. go in for that which i yeah. know makes me not fun but i think it might just be a hungry boy uh maybe a a, a small uh a handful of berries or some nuts before you go to bed yeah. what might uh yeah. might, might quell that also these Whatever are happy do, dreams don't eat any of the food like you will become trapped in that realm <laughs> yes 100 <laughs> like, percent. Don't, don't drink the water yeah if, if it is it is very pan's labyrinth rule so yes it's really good that you're not eating the food no matter how hungry you are yeah, yeah. you will not wake up mm-hmm. also telling somebody to eat right before right before bed is a bad you know if I eat right before bed, I get bad heartburn. So, because yeah, hire somebody to slip an almond into your mouth while you're sleeping. <laughs> One almond every half hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mark writes: When the inevitable human apocalypse comes and our species is wiped out, which current tiny critter do you hope will win the evolutionary lottery and rise up to be the next dominant species on the planet? I vote for woodchucks because they're cute, chubby little bucktooth boys. Uh, who will probably just grow up to be something resembling fuzzy Snorlax instead of inventing nuclear weapons. Similar energy, but I'm going to go ahead and say the capybara. 
which is uh, similar, but is the animal that is famous for getting along with all animals and being chill. That is a really good answer. Yeah, they do eat their own shit. But to me, that's kind of a bonus if they're huge because like <laughs> you're not cleaning it up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they just they just they just chill. Uh huh. You know, I, I could handle like a bunch of big like 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 it's like the hills in Mario World. Oh yeah, you know that are that are sentient. Mm-hmm. You know, and have faces. They'd be like that. <laughs> like you just like lean on a gigantic happy, and he's like, "Cool, hello, <laughs> hey, what's going on?" Yeah, scratch right there. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> that, that, that is the perfect answer. I was gonna say cats because I like cats. Yeah, you know, I, I love cats, but they are apex predators. True. Yeah. So, so we would die. Uh, <laughs> well, we'd already be dead in this situation. Other things would die. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Joseph says, uh, live question. Uh, hello. Do you have any advice at all when it comes to saving money? Thanks. I uh, love the show and all that you do. Um, um I, I mean, so my, to my, my, my two example uh, tips on this are uh, always check and make sure that you're not subscribed to more things than you're using. Also, mm. uh, um, having any kind of budget helps just kind of like the best way to lose weight is, you know, not a specific diet, but just to count calories. I have used for the past like five years or so an app called you need a budget. And that has helped me literally track and categorize everything that I spend um, mm-hmm. and has helped out just knowing what's going on, what's coming in makes you a little bit more mindful about how you spend your money. Yeah. It's, it's a very popular app and it's on steam. So it pops up on steam where it's like somebody's <laughs> playing it, which is it's very, very funny. funny. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's join in. Invite your friends to watch. Yeah. Um, basically, basically the same thing. Yeah. Keep track. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the only thing you can really do. Yeah. I think um, everything else probably is a small trick that might be unsustainable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're a bunch of like little life hacky, mm-hmm. you know, tricks. Like when I was dutifully keeping my checking register. Yeah. Uh, when I would every time I would just like update it every single time I spent money. Mm-hmm. I always rounded up. Yeah. So if I spent you know nineteen dollars and two cents, I always just took out twenty dollars mm-hmm. of my running account to cover like miscellaneous fees and shit. Yeah. And that didn't really help me save money, but it helped me not lose money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There there are apps that you can use. Even my bank uh, added that as a feature, like roundups or whatever. Where yeah. it will uh, just kind of divert, it'll round up and then uh, take the take whatever around it and put it in a, into a different account. Um, oftentimes, that bears interest just as a like way to space. Yeah, yeah, like Superman three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to media questions. Uh, yeah. I think this is. I think I uh, I answered. I asked that one. I think this was you. Yes, I will do this. Um, Cinderella writes. Uh, my one year old daughter's new favorite music video is David Bowie's Dance Magic Dance performance from Labyrinth, and she wants mm-hmm. to watch it at least once a day. The clip on YouTube starts with the baby brother surrounded by a bunch of goblins bawling his eyes out uh, as the music for the song starts ramping up. I imagine this is why she likes it so much. Uh, that this baby, just barely younger than her, is her viewpoint character. Uh, Just wanted to share this because I know you guys have an appreciation for the movie. On a related note, what are some of your earliest media memories? Uh, Real quick pro tip to Cinderella and any other Labyrinth heads out there. Uh, The video for Underground, the second single Mm -hmm. from uh, that movie that David Boy released has a bunch of like unique puppet and animation content in it. Like the video is David Boy wandering around and he meets some puppets and stuff. So you get to see some, you know, some unused sets and uh, extra puppet content. Oh, neat. 
if you like those those labyrinth puppets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, earliest media memories. Um, I have a lot of memories of being. Uh, I don't know what the first ones were, but I have memories of uh, watching uh, PBS like Zoobly Zoo. Okay. And Sesame Street um, and playing uh, Atari's Joust. Okay. As a very young kid. Um, I have memories of watching um, God, The Ten Commandments. Okay. Like, very exactly like that Simpsons episode. Like my parents letting me stay up late mm-hmm. to watch The Ten Commandments because <laughs> it was biblical. Right. You know? Not realizing it's five hours long. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just uh, exactly that, that Simpsons thing. Uh, those are probably my, my early ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. L- lots of l- lots of kids media and stuff like that. Just g- a general morass of uh, Nick Jr. Uh, and PBS content. Uh, the strongest memory I remember being a way too young kid, probably three or four. Um, um, and uh, my mom and stepdad were watching a home video copy of Pet Cemetery and didn't see fit to send me out of the room. Oh sure, yeah. Just like, hey Cole, hey little baby, watch this. Yeah. Uh, I, to church. I still can't watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the 1989 Pet Cemetery. Uh, still, yeah, this yeah, just fucking ruined me as a little kid. Yeah, I I don't remember it, but uh, the you know back when I had a family and stuff, the apocryphal story was me being taken to see Gremlins and running out of the theater. That's mm. the first uh, movie I saw in the theater. First movie that was I was Gremlins taken was... to was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Ooh, baby. Yeah. Also, equal, also scary. <laughs> uh, it's a the, it's a dark movie, the first the first turtles. They really softened yeah, in the second. So there's yeah. like the 20 minutes where it's just the turtles off on their own, mm-hmm. like training and brooding. Yep. It's really weird. Also, I was just thinking about the life cycle of you mentioned Nick Jr. Like Nickelodeon is missing a life cycle because you have Nick Jr., mm-hmm. then Nickelodeon, and then you go to Nick at night and it's all the honeymooners and shit. Right. <laughs> Like there, there's no like thirty something, twenty something like Nickelodeon. Yeah, no, you, know? you you go over to Adult Swim, and then that, and, and then you wait yeah. there until you're you know until you die, and then you hop on the the silver ship that takes you across the sea to TV <laughs> to land to Nick a night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you take the the black and white bridge. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Or to TV land. Yep. Uh, Stefan asks, uh, your episode of Unfilmable, uh, which is now my favorite show on the network. Thank you, Stefan. Uh, on the ritual was great. I know how unpleasant, unwarranted entertainment recommendations can be, but here we go. Have either of you read weird from the same author, Adam Neville? It's a series of very short stories, roughly 10 pages a piece that, pe- that feature no characters or dialogue. Instead, you move through mostly desolate areas, picking through the aftermath of some secret rite that summoned Eldrick abominations. They read a bit like a walking simulator crossed with dark souls item descriptions. Uh, I have not, but it sounds cool. That sounds very cool to me. Yeah, I no. I, I like uh, I, I like those uh, those stories that are uh, told just through the environments. Uh, see a recommendation mm-hmm. that I've made before: Life, a user's manual that kind of tells story a story by going uh, uh, room by room through an apartment building mm-hmm. and just looking at the yeah. things that are there. Yeah, no, I've yeah. not very I've, very cool. Yeah, I've uh, never read that, but that sounds good to me. Yeah. And I have Audible credits I need to use. So, yeah. Uh, moving on to some show questions. Matt Bixler, hello, writes, 
Um, I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise and getting more into its community uh, than I tend to for new games, anticipating updates, watching YouTubes, chatting in discords, etc. I feel like going back uh, to older to an older Monster Hunter game uh, would be a completely different experience, especially since I think uh, the sense of community built within the themes of the game uh, dovetail very nicely with actually engaging with its community in real life. Uh, would you be open to doing a WAF for a freshly released game where the community aspect is known to be important, or are your multiplayer allergies just too strong? Uh, open, yeah, but I, I think that like any of those things, we want to be really upfront about our limited perception. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not going to take on a part-time job. Right, you know, right. To, to cover it, to do one week of content mm-hmm. uh, for the show. So, like... You know, with the canonical example that we have done is Team Fortress 2, where we both liked that and both mm-hmm. played it, but we just weren't experts and people yelled at us. Um, that'll be the same thing if we ever do like World of Warcraft and we like talked about, oh, we would do like levels one through 10 or something or one yeah. through 20. Yeah. Like we'd figure out some kind of limited scope to talk about and just make it very clear that we're just talking about that. Mm-hmm. And then it's still inevitably get like a thousand people saying like, oh, the real game unlocks. Right. And, right. and then give us like 20 different answers for stuff we didn't do. Mm hmm. <laughs> you know, so like, yes, with, with a pretty big caveat yeah. to it. Um, the, the trickier part about it and other than multiplayer allergy or willingness is the time commitment. Mm-hmm. Those tend to take even to get a, a relatively decent understanding yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not even a, um, it's not even like a, hmm, let me think here. <laughs> it, it, it ends up becoming just a part of your uh like daily life like oh you know you talk about i'm gonna jump into a discord i don't know how i would report on being in a discord for a game for the show right or yeah. you know like i don't know being in a chat room <laughs> that's not mine yeah it's it, yeah it's, it's hard <laughs> we like we we have our own version of all those yes yeah, yeah you know so it's not that i, I have any disdain for that kind of stuff but right. like the idea of joining a different Slack for a game and getting mm-hmm. that invested in it, like while I'm doing the job is really tough. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we play three or four games a month, yeah. you know, for the show, which isn't tons for when you are doing it for a living. Mm-hmm. But some of these are upwards of like 20, 30, 40 yeah, hours yeah. sometimes. And we also do it on top of everything else we do while trying to maintain any kind of healthy balance. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, the rest of our, our life and everything. So it's just tricky mm-hmm. to do that. Like, not only would I not know how to report on being in that discord, I just can't imagine feeling like I had time mm-hmm. to check out that kind of ephemera. Yeah. It'd be tricky. It'd be real tricky. Yeah. So open to it, but also like, how do you know when a new game com- coming out will have that? Oftentimes yeah. that like that kind of thing is only known in retrospect, like it's predictable for Mon- Monster Hunter Rise because those games are, you know, attended to so ravenously uh, by people. But also, yeah. you know, it's like it would be really Life-sum rough. Games. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like, you know, I've I haven't played Monster Hunters one through four. I don't know that I would get Monster Hunter Rise. <laughs> Yeah, you wish it was one through four. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, you know, th- this is a long way of saying it'd be very hard for us to do a Monster Hunter game. Yes. So don't try to sponsor yeah. one. Uh, like I've also bounced off multiple entries in that. And I, yeah. after many people have told me that the the next one is the one that's going to get me. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that is also going to set us up for like, you know, it's almost similar to uh, Yakuza, right? Because yeah. th- that that series is also a series of very long games that has a huge dedicated fan base, mm-hmm. where there have been incremental improvements throughout, and for our format, you're kind of damned if you do damned, if you don't Right, right. when you, when you cover them, because it's like, 
you're always covering the wrong one to somebody and there yeah. are always going to be additional context and advancements that you don't have because you're not like, it feels like conservatively seven of those games come out a year <laughs> in terms of the releases and new ones right, and, right. and spinoffs. And I'm just not up on them. Yeah. You know, I, I got nothing to get them. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, you know, don't have time for it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's too much game out there. See also, you know, I'm happy that somebody, um, Mitch, uh, was the one who sponsored Enforcer hand and covering an armored core game. Uh, yeah, it has yeah, a similar yeah. entry point kind of problem. Yeah, it's just it's, it's tough because how do you know? How do you know which one? And there are going to be lot. There's going to be lots of uh, lots of things pulling you in different directions. Like we, one of the things that, that we'll do on this show, uh, or that I think is cool about the show, is that we, by definition, do not have ossified gaming backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, because we we are gaining it as we go. Like I I absolutely love and I'm friends with the Retronauts dudes. Mm-hmm. They don't replay every they replay some of the stuff that they cover but sometimes they're just talking about the history of a game and it's a different show and that's great that's awesome and i listen and i support them on patreon and you should too um but it it does mean that like when it comes to stuff that they've had firsthand experience with there are kind of like limited lanes Mm -hmm. you know like uh they've they've all played all the final fantasy games like jeremy has played all the mega mans and all the metal gears Mm -hmm. you know and uh you know you kind of end up with these context lanes and we're not quite there like we have context lanes that we had before we started the show Mm -hmm. and we are still doing new stuff for the show but the idea of like building up that context like if we were going to do the the um got armored core games right yeah like it would take a really long time to get that context within the context of the show. And we would shed listeners who are not interested in that. Yes. Like yeah. for some people that they would be way into that. And some people would be like, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're entering into like, you know, week 17 of monster of armored core mm-hmm. context, you know? Uh, and it would just, it would be quite a lot. Yeah. Or even not even yeah. 17, but like, you know, mm, yeah, it, it, it's, it's an plenty. interesting thing. Like, yeah, ten weeks would be a long time to spend on a series. Eight weeks yep. would be a long time to spend on a series. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. Uh, Chris asks, uh, how frequently do listeners or fans reference a bit or a line from an older episode from one of your numerous shows that you just straight up don't remember? I had this thought the other day because I fairly frequently think about Cole's amazing rant from Fallout 3, Watch Out for Fireballs, about cleaning up the goddamn skeletons. Half the time it's aimed at myself to get something done with my own life. I wondered the other day if he'd even remember this, given the sheer amount of output you both create. Apologies if that's a weird question. I'm just curious about this sort of thing. Oh, uh, I mean, people do reference stuff and some, you know, I would say 95% of the time I don't, I don't remember it unless it's like a thing that has become a meme, you know, that mm-hmm. it just is, is very established. I, I, you know, that rant that you're referring to about cleaning up the skeletons, I can kind of imagine <laughs> what I said, but yeah. j- j- just based on the prompts, you know, the, 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 the like same AI constructing it in my head <laughs> yeah. based on your like voice samples I've recorded from yeah. talking to you for a decade and like knowing you. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, 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 the same person, the same input, you know, the, w- would the output be similar? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I forget stuff. We, we record and we talk too much. Sometimes, sometimes something sticks out, but more often than not, no. Does that make me sad? Eh, no, that's just the job. You can't remember everything. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's an unusual job where we are uh, essentially putting on a performance multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. And like each time is, is different. Like we're not doing a set, so there's no room for memorization. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, It'd be like improv performers 
uh, remembering all of their improv stuff after doing it for a decade. Yeah. But also with, and that's in terms of like bits and lines and stuff. Yeah. Like I'm not saying like, you know, the man, the way that we talked about Fallout 3's item economy was like a kind of musical jazz. You know, it, it, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that like. It's the points you don't jokes, make. That's on the cuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could say the Wasteland itself is a character. The, um, but in terms of just jokes and stuff, all that stuff's extemporaneous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't come into things with the things in the pocket. You never come to a, uh, a rap battle with prepared material. No. So no. It, it's all easy come, easy go. Uh, and it's it's fun in the moment, and then I let it go. I thank I, it for its service, and I'm reconduit to heaven. Yep. And also, I'm super happy and flattered that people uh, think highly enough of it to uh, uh, to laugh at it, and then and then uh, bring it back to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, it's it's a uh, very sweet. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it as well. Um, let's move on to should we do move on to our topic? I know we have a spicy amount of uh, or we move on. We do the lightning round first. Yes. Yeah. Topic. Let's let's do lightning, let's do the lightning round. Mm-hmm. And then the topic, and then because uh, I know we have a spicy amount of responses, and also we do. I didn't get tons of sleep last night because at three a.m., a um, car crashed into my house. Did, were there any remarkable stickers on it? Uh, a lot of Punisher, like the okay. angry Punisher skull, like yeah. the cops have on their cars. I'd love to see a happy Punisher skull, <laughs> maybe with like an ice cream cone. Like Punisher needs to have a good day sometimes. Yeah, good fifty. You know. You know. I, 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 I talk about he has he has a sidekick named Microchip with the unlikely name of Microchip. <laughs> I read a Punisher comic that was really good, but it's about Microchip getting resurrected and like turning, like making zombies of his family and turning them against him. Jesus it's like that guy Christ. can't catch a break. <laughs> First uh, he's called Microchip. The Rick Remender Punisher shit's really good. Like yeah. there, there are really good Punisher comics. It just sucks that uh-huh. the cops stole him. Yeah, there are just general and fascists everywhere. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I, I love the idea of like a, a malevolent spirit that passes through a bumper sticker. Like everybody who puts Ooh. that on, because you know, like it's like the yellow sign. They mark themselves as being under the sway of uh, of, of the yellow Punisher. sign bumper sticker is already like pretty powerful and good. Yeah, yeah. You know that works like the yellow sign. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, so, remind me to search for yellow s- <laughs> yellow sign bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, let's hear. So, lightning round. Uh, Kellerak asks, uh, have you ever replayed a game you already cover for WAF? If so, did your opinions on it change, or have they mostly stayed the same? I sometimes do this with horror games that we've done uh, uh, for WAF. I will stream them on Hexcrank, uh, and generally my my opinion usually stays the same. The big difference is streaming stuff is different than, uh, than playing it on your own, so there's going to be a different dynamic there. Uh, I've done this a lot. Like I've mm-hmm. played Resident Evil four twice since we've covered it mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. And usually it will stay the same. Um, if I want to revisit it at all, it's something that I like and I will usually uh, feel better about it, mm-hmm. you know, appreciate new things about it. Um, and uh, if it's something that I was a little bit middling on, I don't usually feel the need to give it a second chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ian asked, do you use your local public library? Um, I used to, cause I used to live close to one. Uh, now I do not. Mm-hmm. Uh, live super close to one and they've been closed because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but they are nice. I will always go and visit a library if I walk by one mm-hmm. um, just to pop in because I like it as an environment. Yeah. Um, I think they're undeniably good. And now that you can uh, literally rent audio books, like you rent files that mm-hmm. are just copies of. So you're not really renting them. There's really no reason not to get a library card and just listen to a thousand audiobooks for free and yeah. rent DVDs and stuff. And yeah. I I need to uh I, I want to start doing this again. I wanted to, but then the pandemic started. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of ashamed that I don't uh, that I that I do not uh, use them. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus writes, what are your favorite pies? Uh, I'm a big pie fan. I like pie much more than cake. Um, I like most fruit pies. Mm-hmm. Um, I love uh, my probably all time favorite pie, though, is probably pumpkin pie. Okay. I will I will put away some fucking pumpkin pie. I understand it's got a weird texture. I understand it's like <laughs> seasonal. I understand it's not like a natural shade uh, of anything. Like it, lo- it is actually. It looks like a pumpkin, but it's boy, is it weird to eat just a big pile of orange food? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I will, I will fuck up a pumpkin pie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a little. I run a little bit hot and cold on pie. Uh, like I like a. I will like a blueberry pie as far as far as mm-hmm. uh, fruit pie goes. But uh, generally, I find that. Uh, a lot of fruit pies end up being mostly, uh, you know, it's mostly filler, you know, just here, here, here. filling. Yeah. Filling. Yeah. Um, but, um, I, uh, something that I do enjoy, uh, my mom, uh, makes a chocolate chip pie that is very good. Hmm. It's like a, uh, chocolate chips and like a, uh, like a custard, uh, kind of deal with a nice, like crispy oh, okay. top on it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'll throw a dark horse one in here. Cheesecake is a good pie. Oh, I love cheesecake. Yeah. I, I, the, the semantics of that. Yeah, I don't want to get into a hot dog sandwich bullshit. Mm-hmm. If, if that counted, that'd be my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love cheesecake. I'm kind of being provocative. Um, I, I, I also am maybe just in a little, a little bit of a mood for that kind of stuff because I wrote and then it, uh, sent to drafts a tweet where I, where, where I challenge people. To, uh, God, this makes me sound like the worst person. Basically, no, nachos. Tell me more about the drafts of your. your tweet yeah, there. yeah. No, and, and nachos are basically just a. It's a platter of open faced, uh, open faced sliders. Okay. Yeah, I can see where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. I also read uh, it when I was half asleep, and I was like, if I send this, it's going to be my whole day. So I'm just going to not send I don't, it. I think that you might have been uh, shocked to find out it wouldn't be your whole day. I, yeah, probably. That feels like a real sixth favor to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe yeah. you know your audience better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> a real sixth favor. <laughs> oh, like, God. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I could definitely be wrong. 100%. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, oh, key lime pie as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Coal Mine Canary uh, says, why do games keep asking me to hunt and skin animals for upgrades? Even Resident Evil is doing it now, and I'm concerned. That's a good <laughs> fucking question. Uh, yeah. Verisimilitude, I guess. Like, animals are sources of bags and, <laughs> and, and stuff Yeah, in real life. B- blame, uh, blame Ubisoft. Uh, this, was, this started being a thing with uh, Assassin's Creed 3 and Far Cry 3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also think it, it's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're doing Horizon Zero Dawn next for the show, and mm-hmm. I, I beat that game last night, and I was realizing the prize. Mm-hmm. And you get experience for killing animals. So it was so fucking funny to me to be, like, crossing the map uh, on my mechanical horse and just be, like, an innocent <laughs> boar thwip, or turkey thwip, off thwip, the path. Thwip, thwip, and I would just, thwip. like, whip over to it and run it over to get 50 experience points. <laughs> For no good reason, just like yeah. I'm just gonna get some light trampling on my way <laughs> uh, to get wildlife kill XP. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's 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 dumb. <laughs> but also, uh, like when you were looting stuff before, and like uh, I, you know, Baldur's Gate or even like MMOs or whatever, that's what you were doing. You just didn't show skinning and harvesting parts. You know, you would kill yeah, somebody. Some, sometimes there'd be skins. Yeah, you, like you would you yeah. would loot their head in EverQuest. You could you could pickpocket somebody's head. <laughs> Because of the way the yeah. tables worked, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of always been a thing, but now uh, this kind of there's a weird like survivalist nature bent 
Yeah, yeah. To to a lot of modern AAA games uh, that have been been around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it. You know, because the alternative is like you go to a tailor or whatever and buy fine leather goods. Yeah, yeah. Or Guybrush you know, throughput. Or, or, yeah, you, you Guybrush throughput it. And I just I they they want you to be more of a rugged individualist, and mm-hmm. the settings tend to be less civilized. Yeah, Red Dead and a lot. Uh, what does Jonathan say? Oh, uh, Jonathan asks, what are the odds that Pac-Man is into Vore? Um, I don't know. So it depends on which model of Pac-Man it is, because I always uh, associate Vore with like sending stuff through to a larger di- digestive tract. Uh, mm-hmm. Pac-Man is basically just a pitcher plant in most of his uh, m- m- most of his renditions. Uh, just a big mouth uh, that moves. So I don't know if that technically mm-hmm. qualifies as Vore. Like if I if I pick up this little uh, statue of um, germ warfare from Night in the Woods that I have near my computer and put it in my mouth, am I voring germ? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't uh, like to to me like my my instinct is I want to be like Pac Man is sexless, but then I remember <laughs> how hot his fucking wife is. Oh God! And the fact that he has and a the kid. fact that he's had kids, like <laughs> you know, so. I don't know necessarily that he's into Vore because mm-hmm. he he tends to do that as a nuisance. Like ghosts come to him and then he like has to get rid of them. Yeah. And he uses Vore as a tool. But what if the but, points are how horny he is? I, then I don't know. He got <laughs> me there. I just assume that he went back from work and his work is like hanging out that maze and then just took his penis out and just had a regular missionary intercourse with his wife, like mm-hmm. for hours and hours and hours until babies came out. Yeah. <laughs> Like and one of them looked like at Lilith me. flooding the world with monsters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from her feckend. <laughs> like that, that's what I assumed uh, was happening. Yeah. So, uh, Tom says, uh, what's the best sword in video games? That's a, that's a fun question. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Boy, that, that, that's a good question. I have a lot of affection for the Gravelord sword from Dark Souls. It's a good one. Yeah. It's cool. Um, um I, like, I have a lot of affection for like the guts sword. So like just the the big oh you the know, slab uh, hander. Oh big... oh oh yeah, the one you can make in Dark Souls two out of the, the the what is it the grave sword or whatever it is the grave great sword. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, it's not Grave Lord. It's but something like that. That's very good. Grave Tender yeah. Sword. Mm-hmm. Something like yeah. that. Uh, the, that's extremely good. That's just the big the big uh, the big slab of iron. I like the Artorius sword, but mostly because the little metal Artorius sword that I got with the Dark Souls Three Collector's Edition, I use that to scratch mm-hmm. my back. Oh baby! <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking about this. I don't know if it's. Uh, did you? I don't know if anybody else does this, and this is for you, Cole, but also people who are listening. Mm-hmm. How embarrassed should I be that, like, if I'm out in public, um, I will scratch my back like on a tree, like a bear. Um, it's okay. Do you moan when you do it? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I mouth the sounds I would be making though, and I wink. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. no, I, I just, I, I just like my back will get scratchy, and it's like I can't really tolerate this, and I can't reach it. Uh huh. And trees are really good back scratchers. Like bears know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I don't do that when I'm outside. Like when I worked in an office, I would not hesitate to uh, scratch my back on a corner. Yeah. Oh, I do that all the time. And I have a back scratcher at home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just don't know if I should feel embarrassed by that, but I do it a lot. Uh, Generally, Um, I would default to shame. If not for that specifically, then you probably did something shameful at some point earlier. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John writes, what Simpsons character do you relate to the most? 
Uh, question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, so I, I vacillate between Elisa and a Millhouse a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I, yeah. I'm aspirationally just a, just a, just a Lenny. Like I just want to be a dude. <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> kind of a Lisa Lenny. Yeah. Character. You know, uh, cause, cause I'm not, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I'm not stupid. Right. And a lot of the denizens of Springfield are fucking dumb. Right. I've got, I've got a good amount of Marge in me as well. Mm-hmm. Like I really appreciate Marge. And I think that like my domestic life, the margitudes of my domestic life would shock people <laughs> for how many like Pac-Man fucking jokes I make. <laughs> like it is <laughs> like, yeah. so maybe like a Lisa Marge. Yeah. So. It's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, like especially a lot of them end up being so one one note that it's hard to say, right? Yeah, because you know? like the like the most depressed character on the show is Mo, but I'm also not as cranky and misanthropic as Mo is. You know, yeah, he's he, he, that evil bartender. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> that's from a late Simpsons. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Oh, you li- you live in the place of the evil bartender. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I so I don't I don't know mm-hmm. uh, that, that that's tricky. I, I I would relate to Milhouse because I like his uh, you know haplessness, but also he again he's an idiot. He's really dumb. Yeah, he's just you know I keep telling you, Bart nerds are smart. <laughs> um, Jan Champion asks, uh, "How do you drink your coffee?" Uh, I drink my coffee with cream and Splenda. Um, I drink my coffee with cream, uh, just enough to kind of cut the acidity because my tummy can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, Andrew asks a whole lot of these, so mm-hmm. I'm going to... We'll do them quick. Yeah. Uh, so, Andrew T., uh, did a, a lightning round within the lightning round. We're just going to do all of these. Um, Let's uh, ping pong, too. Let's each just answer every other one. So, you ask me one, I'll ask you one. Yeah, yeah. You ask me one. Uh, hey, hey, Gary, best and worst Zelda item? Uh, hookshot is best. Um that shitty little ladder from one is worst. Yeah, that, that uh, really sucks. Cole, uh, best or worst Metroid item? Uh, best would probably be the ice beam. I like the ice beam yeah. quite a bit. Um, I'm going to say worst is the grappling hook because it's one of those limited ones. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's disappointing. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Gary, best or worst Mario power-up? Um, best, I'm going to go ahead and be an iconoclast here and say the B. Okay. Because uh, I, I think that's the cutest Mario has been. Worst, I'm going to say the spring from okay. Mario Galaxy, which is hard to control and ugly as sin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, best and worst Kirby copy ability, cool. Yeah. This one's tough because I don't do, I don't know too many of them off the top of my head. I like the one that makes him into a, into a fighter uh, where, where mm-hmm. he does the, uh, the, the barrage mm-hmm. of punches. Yeah. Yeah. That makes him into a little Ryu. Um, and then the worst one. Uh, sleep the 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 sleepy one. Oh sure, yeah, because yeah. that's just a downgrade. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Gary, and, best and worst Tetris block. Uh, best. I'm gonna give it to the T block. Ooh, versatile. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, it's the one I can always find a place for, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and worst, I'm gonna give to the uh the Z or the S. I guess I don't yeah. have any real strong preference, but I'm, just... I'm going pure utilitarian with the, the Tetris blocks. Yeah, yeah. I I I I'm surprised you didn't go with the L block for the era, or not L block, the I block for the um uh best. What's well, one you can get a Tetris for? But it's not. I, I don't play games for scores like ever. I just mm. want to play for as long as I can. Yeah. So yeah. building like I'm very like sensible Tetris playing involves taking no risks <laughs> and making uh, a very stable 
Yes. Keep your your Good. your your, your well short you, for as long as you can. You play te- te- Tetris is by the ones and twos. You wimp. Yeah, a, uh, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's why that's why I love uh, ne- new Tetris so much oh, because yeah. it encourages and uh, Tetris Effect because they discourage that. Yeah. Uh, KL says, Gary, help me settle a bet. Is Space Oddity about a literal spaceman or a heroin overdose? Before we answer um, this, does the other person agree to defer to Gary's authority? I hate settling bets okay. when, when they haven't asked. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's true. I, I, I could be, uh, judged here, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna welch out on it because I don't know. Um, I think that it's probably purposely ambiguous because that's David Bowie's thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loves space. Yep. Like the idea that it's being literal seems too obvious, and he was mm-hmm. like a '60s, you know, counterculture guy. But also, he writes a lot, wrote a lot of unironic songs just about space. Yep. Um, and I think that a space oddity in a vacuum, mm-hmm. much more likely to just be about space. And then ashes to ashes comes out, and then it's like, oh shit! Well, now we know. Yeah. You know, I, to recontextualize this. So it depends on how much death of the author. Yeah, yeah, and also like I think a lot of the uh, a lot of people's idea about that story comes from the song Major Tom. You know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Major Tom does not uh, have a lot of narrative content to it. I only know that because I've been watching that video a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, for some reason. It's mostly about like cool roller skate girl waitresses and about how Tom's wife is cheating on him. Huh. Okay. It's 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 really strange. There's very little narrative content to that song, though. Uh, Uh, Um, Let's see here. Uh, Andy K two fifty asks: Is sleep an activity at which either of you are Vikings? Why or why not? I'm a podcaster who uh, bought a one way ticket on a flight for some reason and is rapidly running out of options to buy a return ticket to get home in time. What? Yeah, no, I just missing flights. Like I, I'm always trying to find a way to get a flight. I told you about my, it's oh, my flying anxiety. Yeah. Times. Okay. No, I'm. I. It sounded like you were answering an unrelated question. Uh, <laughs> I thought I didn't. So here's so here's the thing. We get down to the fundamental difference. Are you of the mind that uh, the, the, that Ralph is talking about? Oh, that's where I'm a Viking because I'm really good at sleeping, or I dream about being a Viking and therefore I go into the land of, uh, of oh, sleep. I assume that because he says that's where I'm a Viking. Right. Right. So I assume he's dreaming of being a Viking. Okay. Yeah. I decided that Do you the, think he's a Viking at sleep and a Viking means you're really good at something like the guy who's really a Viking at fixing my drywall. <laughs> Is that what you're supposing? The, the, I, you know, honestly, I'm, am, I'm ambiguous toward it. That is a, the, the, that, that is one of those classic, uh, disagreements that people have such as Sneed's, uh, uh, feed and seed formerly Chuck's oh. or, uh, uh, have you ever seen a guy wait, uh, say goodbye to a shoe? Uh, th- yeah. th- there are those lines that ended up being controversial. So I'm mostly just problematizing this. I am not a Viking. Well, I don't, I, I do not have any, uh, dreams about being a Viking. Um, I'm also uh, bad at sleep. So right. either source of it. Yeah. I'm, 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 no Vikings for me. I'm bad at sleep, but I fucking love sleeping. It's my favorite activity in the entire world. So yeah, me too. I just, I wish I could, I wish I was better at it. Yeah. Not a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Gabriel asks, I'm really glad we got to this one. Cause I, I love this. Uh, you guys like big dog t-shirts question mark. Have any favorites as a joke? I got my brother one that says I live on the corner of bite me in no freaking way. <laughs> Yay. What, what, why, why is a joke? That's a good shirt. <laughs> That's very funny. Like I, I just, I love that. I, I am way into big dogs. Very yeah. funny. 
<laughs> Wait, I just want to respond to that. Like when I called nine one one at three AM last night when the police were when a car crashed into my house, when they asked for me the address, I should have been like, "Okay, sir, your address." I live at the corner of Bite Me in no freaking way, <laughs> sir. You know it's a crime to prank call nine one one, right? Yeah, and and do you actually need help? I'm unclear. Is there a car partway in your spare office or no? Um, <laughs> but that's really good. I, I'm I'm always gonna go for the classic one that's like fart loading ninety eight percent and sort of the progress bar. That's so you know a, that a minute you gotta get out of there that's a shirt that we made <laughs> no 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 that, that's a that I, I if you thought that was me i apologize that's definitely a uh oh that's a big dog i think th- i think for a patreon reward we committed light copyright infringement <laughs> yeah i'll take it okay I, I, don't, I don't mind copyright and the big dogs if you're yeah. gonna copyright copyright yeah. the big dogs yeah yeah um i'm also a fan of enormous johnson uh or sure. uh uh, what is it? Uh, uh, I got my crabs at Dick's. Yeah. 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 Big Johnson sporting goods. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those, those tend to be a little bit more one note. I, the thing that gives big dog edge <laughs> to me is that I, you have no idea which way they're going to go. Cause sometimes they're like weirdly wholesome. Right. Like, you know, I live at the corner of no freaking way and I don't give a, give a heck. <laughs> and then sometimes they're just like cops should be able to summarily execute anyone they want right. straight from the big dog. And <laughs> they'll just have a dog with sunglasses and you're like, you got to figure out what it is you are. Like, what is your <laughs> philosophy you're trying to espouse here? Cause you, you, I don't I, get it. I think what, what you do, you order, you like you order a starter kit. And I think you have to determine wh- which big dog you are that day before you go out. It's like, yeah. a, it, <laughs> It's like a predator, uh, you know, like like predator markings. What are you, what are you uh, demonstrating to the world around you? Uh, such yeah. as if you grill it, they will come. You know, I might wear that yeah. when I'm grilling, uh, or yeah. if I'm just kicking around on a lazy Saturday, I may wear uh, pursuing my dreams. Big dogs department of relaxation. Yeah. yeah, the thing about the big dogs is they contain multitudes. Right, right. Why is there not a fucking big dogs video game that we could cover on Abdex Suffering? <sighs> There's gotta be like, like the, at least a flash one like, or something. Like we, a, I'm gonna launder big dogs into the network <laughs> in a way where we it's just you and I discovering big dogs on on the internet for a half hour and just gasping in delight. Yeah, yeah. For, for the whole time. Just like, <laughs> yay. Oh um, god. Yeah. I mean, Gary, unless you're the lead dog, the scenery never changes. So <laughs> you're always looking at some other dog's asshole. Yep. Yeah. You know, unless, unless you're the lead dog. <laughs> You're just because I think I I know that shirt. Yeah, I think it shows the picture of like looking up a dog's asshole. Like you're the camera and you know Bayonetta. <laughs> like, man, those big dogs. Mm, they make a good they shirt. A lot of, a lot of business. They get into a lot of hijinks. They've yeah. had some crazy adventures. <laughs> uh, Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Uh, <laughs> if we did not get to your question or prompt, um, we will either in another Dispatch episode or watch the Patreon because we do roundups mm-hmm. uh, where we cover stuff that we miss just so we don't get too much of a backlog. Yeah. And those are also fun to do. Um, yeah, but don't don't feel uh, don't feel bad. Right. We just do stuff for time. Um, moving on to our topic for this episode. Um, did I should I read this or should you? What Who did the last one? Um, uh, you go ahead and read it. Uh, Nick says, Hey dudes, 
I enjoy leveling in RPG games most of the time, but some systems either don't give enough options uh, for me or are way too granular. Some examples include in Shadow Returns, uh, that series of games felt too basic for me. I just leveled up my main weapon stat and maybe a side stat or two, but I didn't feel like I was making interesting decisions. Looter games often have uh, stats that level up in ones or two percentages uh, that are similarly unsatisfying. What are some games that you think either hit the right amount of decisions or do an absolute terrible job at it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is a, a common thing. I think people who have listened to several episodes that we have talked about, you know, kind of know that we do not favor the uh, uh, incremental approaches. You know, what yeah. we want are new spells, not for those new spells to have an extra 3% damage. Well, understanding that like an extra 3% damage is actually not trivial you know like in in the scheme of things sometimes it is yeah i suppose like, like it, def- it definitely can be you know and th- they get more and more trivial as they go like i i didn't play this but uh, an example from like a video i watched about it is like the in watchdogs one where you get um additional shotgun damage to vehicles when they're moving mm-hmm you know, it's just like very conditional. Yeah, yeah, uh, like that kind things. of stuff. Or like, look at um, uh, uh, oh gosh, what is it? Remnant from the Ashes, where it's like you, you know, and I, you'd yeah, hop over like, barriers. Yeah, two uh, percent faster. One, yeah, one yeah. percent. Uh, this shit sucks the stars from the sky, and it's something that video games are getting way worse about. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, like. This is a preview for next week because we're covering Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, this and game economies mm-hmm. are such in the chitter. Yeah, uh, yeah. In terms of like modern big games <laughs> that uh, it's in, and they both, they all tie in together uh, in just things that are meant to feel, have historically felt good that do not feel good, mm-hmm. that feel limp and uh, weightless. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a real serious problem. It's, it's harder to think of games that do it well now than think of games that do it. Uh, you know, there's so many games that do it badly. Mm-hmm. Um, almost anything with like a modern skill tree is 50% or plus just things that I defy anyone to get excited about. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, it's, it's rough, I think, because, you know, <laughs> it's funny because you look at, uh, you look at skill trees and it's like, oh, you designed this to be wide. And then you realized yeah. oh, we we had to actually like fill that with stuff. And, you know, like just uh, when when you have a lot of nodes to hit, each node has to be so small as to make it feel like you're not making actual like meaningful decisions like a game that is of this ilk that I was about to say was recent. But I realized it came out seven years ago, like but we covered it recently. Shadow of Mordor did this pretty well when you were making mm-hmm. um, at least on one of the skill trees that you were on, then you also had those glyphs that you were getting um, and investing to get the, uh, you know, the uh, percentage points to damage. damage. Yeah. Yeah. But like yeah. when you were actually picking out like new abilities and stuff like that and uh, I, in horizon, uh, I am having fun on the, that game's version of that skill tree as well, where you're, you it, know, it, getting there's diminishing returns, but yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's fun for a while. It's not the worst one, mm-hmm. you know, that, that can ever be the economy in that game is way more fucked than the, the skill tree. Yeah. But it, it, it all smack, it all smacks of the same kind of over design. Yeah. You know, where like, uh, Hey, we got to have skill trees. We got to have craftable components that will give you upgrades. They have to be small so we can have a very long power curve. Yeah. But then these games also tend to have competing systems. So they'll have that as well as like damage scaling and level scaling for encounters and enemies and stuff. And it all speaks to just too much fucking control. 
yeah. that the, the, the developer is taking mm-hmm. over the thing to make sure you don't, you know, we, we talked about this a lot, but a, a fun power curve looks like stairs yeah, where you're above and below the power curve at mm-hmm. certain points, yeah. as opposed to it just being a flat line where everything is basically the same. Right. The whole time. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you and I are having a contest to see like who draws the highest card and we just both add one to each increment, <laughs> you know, like you draw two, I draw two, you draw three, I draw three, yeah. you draw four, I draw four. That's, you know, that's what's happening Yeah, in, in most of these video games. And that's what these systems support. Mm-hmm. And so that's why systems that you run into, like in, you know, fallout games where you're picking new perks, you know, and that I think pulls that it works because it pulls from, um, uh, like D and D, uh, uh feats, it feels yeah. like to me, like like that 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 is the good leveling where you know every other level you get kind of just like a new thing you can do. Whereas the stuff that feels over designed, I, I I hesitate to make to make this point because it feels a little bit like I'm just you know, man blames problem on things he doesn't like anyway. But a lot of it feels like it's MMO and uh, specifically like mobile compulsion design being backported to larger single player experiences. With the idea being that this is this is how the researchers and psychologists have determined this is you know how, how we hook people. So every game yeah. needs to be like that a little bit. Every so, game needs to be a forever game, right? For you, like we want players. You know, games cost this obscene amount of money to develop. Therefore, mm-hmm. they have to cost this obscene amount of money to buy. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we want players to feel like they get their money's worth. So it has to have like a billion little map check mark things to do, and it has to last for a really long time. And they can't just, you know, break the curve right. for it. And that is a shortcut to development because you can make a game that is generous and large without doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a correlation with tabletop stuff. So like uh, Nick brought up Shadowrun Returns. To me, those are very slavishly uh, tabletop inspired. Mm-hmm. And for me, the the power curves in that aren't necessarily the skill tree, which there aren't really skills in that. You you get skills that come along with your stats. Mm-hmm. But it's like getting into equipment and spells yeah. and stuff. Like it's kind of holistic and you're doing it for a party. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of where the, the joy comes from. But look at fucking uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is exciting and fun to level up in that game. Yeah. You know, it feels good. And the reason it feels good is because the numbers are tuned right and they don't do this, this micro shit like, and it's really long and generous, but that took an immense amount of care and work. Mm -hmm. You know, they had to design all of that in a way that like, even in games I like, even in your shadows of Mordor or what have you, it doesn't really feel as tightly designed Mm -hmm. for that. Like there are good encounters in that game. Uh, and there are, there are things that you know, I enjoy that game quite a deal, but it's, uh, it's not something where like every single part of it feels handcrafted, yeah. you know, to, to provide the experience the same way that, uh, and it doesn't have the confidence of letting your players break it or fail at it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you can't let them be above on the stair or below on the stair. Um, they have to be right in the middle of the stair. They have to be on the escalator. Yeah. You know? Or, yeah. or nothing's going to happen. <clears throat> Have to be matching it. Um, and to bring it back to something that was, you know, kind of, kind of been coming up a couple of times in this episode. Uh, when we look at like the version of this that does feel and work best, 
I think that I ultimately come back to um, this being a thing that really works for me in roguelike games, but I also might just be thinking of super giant games a little bit uh, where yeah. you, you know, like the important thing, right? So RPG progression could just be you gain points and then you unlock things to, you know, per what, like you know, the kind of character that, the, 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 that it is, it just kind of happens. But like, but what Nick is getting at here and what I think we're getting to is it needs to feel like the choice is meaningful as opposed to just like edging yourself a little bit down the lane or whatever. And super giant, um, and a lot of roguelikes actually, as you're building your deck and, you know, kind of building for these shorter runs, you know, it's like, okay, here's two or three options. Each of them could diverge the, how your, how your game or how your run goes in a huge way, make your decision. Right. Yeah. And those are incredibly thoughtfully designed a lot of the well, time. There, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're on this thing where you're talking about the MMO creep and stuff. It is. It feels like a design decision that is made for people who don't like making decisions in games, mm -hmm. you know, or find decision making stressful yeah. in, in games. And I, you know, I don't want to sound too disparaging to that because I understand people play a lot of video games for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. To me, making decisions is the best thing you do in a video game. Yeah. <clears throat> All I want to do is consider my options. Think about what kind of character and uh, set of actions I would like to craft that speaks directly to me. Like I created it, mm -hmm. you know, it's not unique. I'm not that naive, but it at least feels expressive yeah. uh, to me. And those decisions are interesting decisions. Yeah. Uh, and the less a game has that kind of thing, typically the less interested I am in it with like tons of exceptions. Mm -hmm. But like, if you're just kind of clicking, like to me, these kind of bad skill trees that we're talking about really aren't that different than uh, like final fantasy one leveling up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just an, it's illusion. Like you just, yeah. okay, I'm a little bit stronger, but I didn't do anything. I didn't decide yeah. anything. I just played by, long enough for this thing to happen. Yeah. By doing more fights, I can do fights better against harder things. To do more fights, to do fights better against harder things, to do more fights, mm -hmm. et cetera, until you end the game. Right. Like that escalator design is one of my least favorite things that a video game can be. Mm -hmm. And it's not quite Dragon Quest one, you know, when, when they do this, but it is gathering that DNA. Yeah. You know, and it's so weird that it's so comorbid with open world games. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know Nick didn't bring that up necessarily, but it's something I associate with open world games a lot, which the selling point is like freedom. And it's like, you can do anything, but you can, you can go anywhere, but you mm -hmm. can do one of like one thing. Yeah. Basically, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's a real, uh, God, it's a bummer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, um, Choice what matters. Are, what are, other than Divinity, what are good character build systems? Let's end on a positive note. I mean, we like, we could just be fucking uh, uh, parodies of ourselves and say a Baldur's Gate or anything that does 2E. <laughs> you know? Yeah. D&D &D games tend to be good character build systems. Yeah. Um, I love uh, leveling up in Disco Elysium feels great because oh, yeah. it means a different throw at a bunch of different stuff I missed and mm -hmm. more story content. Mm-hmm. Um, every single time it'd be more great writing and more options. Yeah. Um, would feel really good. Yeah. So that's a, a really good one. Uh, you mentioned monster train, those little monster train, like, you know, community chest, mm -hmm. uh, sections where you get a choice. Like all of those are really fun. Yeah. Like both options seem cool as hell. And I want them both. Good, uh, good, 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 meaningful choices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm having trouble. So, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, it's something that is, is again, rarer now. Mm -hmm. And even games that do it well, do it like 50% of the time. Like I liked the Spider-Man PS4 game quite a bit. Mm -hmm. 
it had its share of like pretty shitty upgrades. You run into that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just got to fill out that tree and you're always going to kind of do that to maintain that power curve. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bummer. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, <laughs> there are ones that do it well and they tend to be in, uh, only in really in certain genres and they don't tend to be huge games. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, you know, huge games, yeah. Ubisoftified games end up, uh, yeah. you know, end up kind of dominating and steering, steering design for a while. Yeah. They did a lot of, uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, cause they, they just did the Nintendo show and they showed some more breath of the wild too. Uh, Breath of the Wild one almost does this because when you get the um, those initial abilities you get are all actually really cool, mm-hmm. and getting an upgrade to your health or stamina feels good. Yeah, yeah, you know. And then they just also though because it's a huge open world game, most of it is Turok seeds and yeah. one fourth of an upgrade. It's still like incremental. <laughs> I love that you call them tur- Turok seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Korok seeds. Yeah. Korok seeds are entirely. <laughs> Once I hunt the dinosaur, I will seduce it. <laughs> I don't think he fucks a dinosaur. You don't think so? Yeah, uh, you can't say he didn't. Yeah. Who knows what lurks in the heart of Torok? <laughs> you know? I, I ask myself yeah, every day. <laughs> um, the, uh, the non-RPG equivalent of this is in shooters, it should feel good to get a new weapon. I mean, f- fucking Doom, like the Doom's weapon upgrades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and in those, you're you're making a choice. You have an upgrade node. You reach there and it's like, okay, uh, here's what you have for your shotgun. You can either shoot three bullets at once or you can have it be, get a scope and fire at a distance. Yep. That's, that stuff is always good. Yeah. Like you should, when you level up, you should make a choice that is defined by how you want to play the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is good game design. And if you level up and you're making a choice and you're choosing between three flame damage or three frost damage, mm-hmm. uh, or like, you know, time slows down 5% more when you're in the air. Yeah. Um, that is bad game design. Yeah. Something went wrong. Yeah. Like uh, you fucked it. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Nick. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Uh, this is angry. It wasn't <laughs> even really just, you know, uh, just that's what doesn't work it's way easier to say what doesn't work yeah um moving on to everyone's responses to our games for june um we got a lot of responses so we did not include everybody so please again don't feel hurt it's just uh, a lot of people wrote in and mm-hmm. we try to keep these around two hours yeah um additionally um, just uh if you're writing in the in the, in the future uh, occasionally we make this reminder i'm not calling out to anybody specifically because generally it happened um uh responses are getting uh lengthier as uh as as we're going keep in mind that we're looking for you know uh stuff that is specific and novel uh and also uh about two paragraphs if you're if you're if you're looking at it yeah yeah so, um, the, uh, and th- this month we had a lot of things that people, have a lot of things to say about. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's not always going to be true. Like we, we had games where we just like bat no hitters on them, mm-hmm. you know, nobody responds. Um, something too, and this isn't in the notes and I don't, I haven't read these responses. I don't read them before we do them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may not be the case, but just as a general reminder, even if this does not come up now, mm-hmm. um, my like platonic ideal for the response is, is we do the episode and say what we think about the game. Mm-hmm. And this is a response to hear what other people yeah. think about yeah. the game. Um, as opposed to, uh, like arguing with points we make in the episodes. Yes. I don't know if that happened, but I've been bracing for that with the witness episode because, 
uh, it caused a lot of discourse on the Patreon and in yeah, the Slack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it you know, it, in, it didn't really happen that way for this. Okay, and right. that that that's is not right. that is not artificial. I didn't like throw away anything that was specifically like combative to us. I was I was I was actually looking for something like that so we could represent and say like, oh, here's a response that we got. You know, like that that is common to something that we saw. It just it just didn't yeah. work out to be you know, to be that way. Yeah, and that's not saying that we want like a bunch of yes man. Mm-hmm. We just you know. Uh, well, actualing our opinions and the thing is not what you want. Yeah. You could just be yeah. like, I thought this mm-hmm. and th- and that that's great. So th- yeah. that's awesome to hear. I was just really bracing for it because no, again, I was too. I was, was I was pretty, pretty stressed when I saw new stuff come in, come into that particular yeah. mailbox. <laughs> yeah. So spiced episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll get started here with Cinder. Uh, she says about Hotline Miami. Um, I played Hotline, Hotline Miami 1 and 2 back-to-back about a year ago, and I loved it. One of the things I like most about the game is their, these games are their story. I really hope you end up playing the sequel for WAF at some point, because the way the plot in that intersects with the plot in the first one is really interesting. A lot of fun trying to figure out what exactly was going on, and I have to admit to seeking out some explainer videos on YouTube to help me fully understand it. The plot of the two games taken together feels very, very David Lynchian, to me at least. P.S. If anyone ever wanted to make a John Wick game, Hotline Miami would be a good starting point. Less queasy art... The boons from several masks active from the get-go. No dog enemies. I would play it. Definitely no dog enemies. Definitely no dog enemies. Um, yeah. There already is that John Wick game. John Wick Hex. Isn't that like a turn-based strategy game? Or I have not played that, but it looks really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't, I don't. don't know it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the, the guy who did uh, Thomas Was Alone. Okay. Made that game. Uh, yeah. who made like a, like a very wide varietal of, of game styles, mm-hmm. um, subspace circular and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so yeah, so I, I, uh, yeah, I have not played that, but it, that sounds interesting to me as well. And that mm-hmm. would be a good way to do it. John wick. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah, as far as this, the, you know, the David Lynchian aspect of that, uh, is intentional on the developer's part, uh, for absolute mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it'll probably be a while before we do hotline Miami two as a sequel. I wouldn't rule it out for me personally. You know, it's different yeah, enough. But it's just it's very similar game gameplay wise. Like we could do it, but yeah, it'd be a it'd be, you know, it's down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mike writes in via contact saying, I have a lot of affection for Hotline Miami for popularizing the quick restart perfectionist subgenre of action games. But revisiting it this month, I was surprised how dated I found the actual play. The AI is erratic. Uh, the melee combat seems to connect only about 50% of the time, and I found the gunplay pretty much impossible without engaging in what I'm tempted to call the worst targeting system in the history of games, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3. Uh, I would like to have a word with you, Mike. Sorry. <clears throat> um, even the visuals got in the way. Uh, too busy and garish for me. Uh, too garish to be readable for me. Uh, at the time, I think the freshness of the premise made these flaws more tolerable, but now the game's like Katana Zero. Uh, Ghost Runner and Red Ronin have added a lot more polish to the formula. Uh, I find it difficult to return to something that feels so primitive in the hands. Immortal soundtrack, though. Yeah, I, I uh, all that stuff still works for me as part of the vibe, but there's definitely jank mm-hmm. uh, in it. And I have not played a lot of follow-ups to it other than Ape Out. Yeah. Um, and I am interested to play those. Yeah. So um, I also want to see this kind of... Uh, you know, iterated on, even though the aesthetic stuff, you know, the visuals, the, all that stuff is very additive to me. Yeah. Um, and also uh, the, uh, the lock on is indeed a trap. 
mm-hmm. in that game. Absolutely. Um, I will say, if you're looking at those follow-ups, I had high hopes for Ghost Runner, because I like uh, the, the running stuff in Mirror's Edge. Don't get it on Switch, because the uh, the frame rate makes it really difficult uh, to look at uh, in portable mode. That is a bummer. Yeah. Um, PC or console is what I would say on that. Uh, fortunately, I got it on sale, so I don't have to feel too burnt by it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you can like a game for its uh, for its legacy. That is, you know, one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, 100%. yeah. No. Um, Eric says via contact. Fighting the final boss of Hotline Miami back in 2014 was one of the most unintentionally immersive game experiences that I've had. Right before I started the encounter, my roommate and his girlfriend walked into the living room, both very drunk. They're both generally very pleasant drunks, but something about the Hotline Miami's whole deal connected with them hard. As such, they both got extremely into watching me fight this crime boss and his opulent tigers, constantly (laughs) shouting, get him and fuck him up and murder him. And whenever I died, God damn it, Eric, uh, one day I'll replay Hotline Miami. It's a great game, but it's going to be hard to replicate the, that harmless but erratic drunken energy unexpectedly contributing to the scummy, sweaty vibe. That rules. I love that. Yeah, that is great. You have uh, you should have had like Alvar Molina doing fireworks <laughs> in the background for Boogie Nights as well. Yep. <laughs> God. Like, random intervals. Just good. Uh, such a good sequence. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. I love that kind of story. Uh, there's yeah. v- about very specific uh, conditions when you were playing. Um, uh, continuing here uh, Jay writes via contact uh, you guys briefly touched on the enemy AI and behavior in the episode but I wanted to elaborate on it because learning how the AI worked via Denation's blog uh, was a big part in helping me wrap my head around the game specifically uh, that enemies are less accurate and react slower when you're closer to them as a way of incentivizing fast close quarters fights being sniped from faraway enemies made me way too cautious to get in close and learning that it was uh, just a trick helped me be a lot more fearless and aggressive. Unfortunately, the inverse is also true, that the further away from you an enemy, uh, that the further away from an enemy you are, the more accurate and quick they are. So in Hotline Miami Miami 2, when they shifted to larger, more open levels, it made the game much more frustrating and unfair because getting sniped by off-screen enemies, thanks to the massive uh, boost that they got from being far away, became a regular occurrence. Uh, it's a great case study in how changing one aspect of a game while leaving another unchanged can cause friction and how a game developer might not uh, have as good a handle on what people liked about their games as you would hope. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good additional detail. Thank you. Yeah, Level design matters, mm-hmm. like even in games where it doesn't seem like it does. Yeah. You know, somebody crafts all those sight lines and makes decisions about the size of those rooms and everything. Mm hmm. Um, Robert says via contact. One thing that occurred to me the first time I played Hotline Miami was how much it reminded me of Killer7. Soderstrom said on Twitter, love Killer7, but it wasn't a direct influence, though maybe subconsciously elements of it made it into the game. I think that's maybe a little bit coy. It's not just the pumping music, but the queasy or pumping music, the queasy dreamlike visuals, and the delusional protagonist. Both games follow the same structure almost verbatim. Wake up in your messy home, get an answering machine message giving you orders, then go out and land your hit. It's using these comparisons that have me convinced that the ending isn't meant to be a joke, but instead an homage, subconscious or otherwise, to Killer Seven. 
Whether or not you uncover the true plans of the janitors and whether you kill them or spare them makes no difference on what came before, just like the final meaningless choice in Killer7, where the player decides which nation gets nuked. I like to think that this was probably a joke on Suda's behalf, but Denton's emphasis on storytelling for Outline Miami 2 suggests they felt they had a grander narrative to weave. Whether or not they were successful is a matter of personal opinion. I just want to see what you think. Keep up the great work. Yeah, the comparison Um, holds, I think, um, based on what you laid out. It's been a long time since we played uh, Killer7. Mm-hmm. So the, some of the details on it are fuzzy yeah. uh, to me, other than like generally remembering the, the type of game it was and that I liked it. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, if I'd played it more fresh, I bet you that would have jumped me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think this is astute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well observed. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kian or uh, Cian, sorry, I, I never know how to pronounce that one, uh, writes in via contact saying, Hi guys, just a quick bonus note. When playing Hotline Miami on the PS4, the motion controls can be used for executions. By raising the controller up and quickly bringing it down, the main character will also lift up their weapon and bring it down onto an enemy to finish them off, also accompanied by an impact sound effect from the controller. Uh, a small touch, but possibly one of the best and most brutal uses for motion control in a game. Also, full credit to this game for introducing me to the music of Scabble and Moon. FYI, he is also the nephew of James Murphy from LCD Sound System. Uh, still listening to Hotline Miami music to this day. I didn't know that Moon was related to James Murphy. Yeah, those are, those relational things are interesting. Yeah. Like that, because they're, they're kind of in the same place, but, mm-hmm. you know, pretty different aims. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, that's I like, interesting. I like both of their music for different reasons, so... They're very different, yeah. Yeah, that, that's 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 neat. Um, yeah, and that's a cool cool touch on the PS4. Um, I hate motion controls, but I like the idea of that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Andrew says via contact. What's left to say about the Devolver's alternate history neon synthwave murder simulator? Planning out the perfect kill route can make you feel like an amnesiac version of Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock, drug problems and all. The regular rhythm of returning to the apartment perfectly sets up the abnormal life of the main character only to pull the rug out from you uh, right in time for the climax. And the level in the dance club, great synthesis of music, story, and gameplay. But enough about Katana Zero. Let's talk about Hotline Miami. (laughs) Uh, I didn't love it. Goofs aside, I think I prefer the more precise, almost puzzle-like format of Katana Zero over the improvisational react-in-the-moment style of Hotline. I think the 2D view also works better for the style of game, though it might just be that my hands never really got a solid hold of the Switch controls, even if I fumbled uh, my way to the end regardless. Still, I mostly had fun without it. I'm sure there would never have been a later game that I enjoyed much more, so mask off to these scuzzy Swedish janitors. Yeah, it's scuzzy Swedish. 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 That sounds like a that filthy slur. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh um good good fake out you did in the middle there. I'm curious about yep. Katana Zero. People have uh, talked yeah. that up quite a bit. Yeah. Hey, we're we're gonna do it this year at some point. Yeah, we're gonna do I it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sick of doing this uh, koi shit. It, it's on the schedule. Somebody else ought to do it, so we will be able to make these direct comparisons. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> like later let on me, our own. Let me retain my power, Gary. I, there's a, no power I'm, to it. I'm though. a. I'm, it's, a, it's I'm, a, I'm a little. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a big boy with 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 secrets. I have information that they want. <laughs> secrets are stressful to keep. <laughs> I, I didn't want to just like every single time somebody yeah. mentioned Katana Zero in these rounds to be like, oh, mm. I don't know. I find it interesting. Maybe Santa will get it for you for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking clown shit, man. Like, 
I, I also <laughs> like no, no joke though. I oftentimes get a little bit nervous about making those reveals because sometimes plans change. Um, and I yes. don't want to, but that one's coming up soon enough that I do feel comfortable revealing that it's not August, and it, but if, yeah. Yeah. And if something happens to it, we can explain the change. Yeah. Like people yeah. are cool and we would give the person their money back and stuff like it, you know, if it happened, like, I don't mm-hmm. know what would happen. Like the developer came out as like a major shit bag or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what would happen to stop us from doing that, but if that just, is, you know, we like having maneuverability, but also I don't like lying. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Soon I will know. Yes. Soon, soon we will, soon we will know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious about that one though. Uh, I know David played it and liked it quite a bit. Uh, it's yeah. also, I mean, to get into part of the reason why I wanted to put hotline Miami on the schedule, other than the fact that I want to talk about it is because I wanted to have that baseline Yeah. because yeah. my understanding was that Katana zero builds off a lot of hotline Miami and I knew we wouldn't be able to go in reverse order. Right. It's in reaction you know, to it. it. Yeah. Yeah, like doing Katana Zero would mean it'd be very hard to cover Hotline Miami at any point, mm-hmm. and I need to put those songs in an episode. <laughs> so. Now, priorities. Uh, Eric writes via contact, I'm a huge fan of Hotline Miami. Not so much the second one, but the soundtrack slaps. Uh, I think the game is just about perfect except for one flaw, the lore. Basically, I think the bad ending that you get for finishing the game without hunting for the I was born in the USA password is a lot more interesting and darkly humorous than the quote good ending. It feels way more clever and in keeping with the game's lean design and nihilistic tone to have all of the assassinations be the result of a series of prank calls that got way out of control because the people who answered them decided to just do as they were told without asking any questions. Blowing it up into a convoluted alternate history Cold War story just overcomplicates things and dilutes whatever message uh, about the meaninglessness and destructiveness of violence that is, uh, the devs intended to deliver. If you want the violence to feel meaningless, have the guts to make it meaningless. I agree with Eric. I, I, well, I, I don't think it's an issue of guts, though, because, I, you know, again, this is a, a point I'm like semi lifting from uh, Aaron Signal, but like. The getting that password to get the true ending, I think that you getting an unsatisfying ending about that is partly intentional. Mm-hmm. Like the joke is a little bit on you for doing the dumb thing. But you then know, they went and made the sequel that built on that as the as the yeah. principle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that that is true. In a vacuum. Yeah. Like Hotline yeah. Miami One. Like I think that like getting the the ending where it's meaningless ties things together better. And I think that's intentional based on the fact that to not get that ending, mm-hmm. you're literally just like collecting little tiny pixels. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, it, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous activity. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I give it a little bit more credit for that, but I, you know, again, your mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I prefer, I, I prefer the nihilistic one where it just literally is, Oh, there were, maybe we're looking for meaning. There is not any. So yeah. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. And I, yeah, I, so to me, it's the only thing I take is I don't think it's a guts yeah. thing, uh, with two, you know, your, again, your mileage may vary. Yeah. I like uh, calling people cowards. All. So <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah, sometimes people be cowardly though. Yeah. yeah. Um, Vassal, uh, says via contact, I played hotline Miami in the summer of 2013. I remember this very well because I was in community college and massively depressed and anxious for about two weeks in between avoiding schoolwork and avoiding housework. The only thing I did was sweat profusely and play hotline Miami. And boy, did that game piss me off. I got so into the action of it, and I was trying to dissect all the cutscenes and levels to create some sort of meaningful narrative out of it all. Uh, getting to the end and being left unsatisfied was one thing. Spending hours finding all the secrets to get the true ending was something else entirely. <laughs> we didn't plan to put these together, but no, like, no. 
they, they dovetail together well. Um, that was not a great summer. And having a game let me do all this busy work just to reveal that there's no meaning and I'm a dipshit for trying so hard, that hurt. I took it personally. Because of that, I hated this game deeply for like six years and told anybody who would listen. But then I tried it again a few months ago and realized two things. The action is not quite as good as I remember, and it's not nearly as cruel as I remember. So yeah, it's a perfectly fine game. Turns out I was just massively depressed and anxious and looking for some sort of meaning in my life. Oops. <laughs> One time I thought I had mono for two years, but it turns out I was just really bored. <laughs> really bored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, I like that. <laughs> I like these. I thought I was angry with you, but I was just hungry. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Eventually they, they're going to make the, the horror game about being hangry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it sounds like we're laughing at you, but this is this is such a true thing where you, you really yeah. can't separate your condition from your initial response to something, you know? Yep. 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 Yeah. Very much so. You know, I, you know, I've, I've divorced myself from this, but like I had, you know, a real fond place in my heart for uh, Ocarina of Time because of the when I, when I first played it, I was homesick from school for a month with pneumonia. So mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. this really liminal, almost dreamlike kind of state because I was sick and just on all kinds of medicine and stuff like that and not and, yeah. and obviously not going to school. Yeah, it's it. It's a it's a bummer that it, even now that I can do drugs as an adult if I want to, mm-hmm. I can't recreate that feeling. Right. You know, like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with or not there is lots wrong with it. There's mm-hmm. nothing stopping me from just like taking a bunch of Nyquil and being sick for a month. <laughs> I think we just do like Munchausen by Gary. You know, and Gary, please don't. It but, would kill your liver. At least do Zequil. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't feel good though. It no. wouldn't have that same feeling. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I find that I find that generally I, I I like things better when I'm feeling good is is the problem. Me too. Which also being sick hits different. Yeah, true. Yeah, adult. like when 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 you're when it's like being hungover. Like when you're a kid and you're mm-hmm. sick, it's like you're basically still unstoppable. Like yeah, sick me is still stronger than well me at at now. Mm-hmm. You know, sick me then. Yeah. Like I would not fight sick you know, 15 year old Gary. No, no. As healthy 40 year old Gary. Yep. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, let's move on to stuff about the witness. Uh, Caleb writes via contact saying, I think that the witness is actually a really great co-op game. Uh, when I played the game several years ago, I got my whole family around the television. Uh, and it was a blast having four different people all trying to do the mental work, uh, to figure out how everything worked. Obviously, only one person had hands on the controller at a time, but the back and forth conversations we had, try it this way, or what happens if we do this, uh, were a really great experience, and there were a couple of times in the week or two that it took us to finish that someone would have an epiphany in the middle of the day and then insist that we turn the game on right after dinner to try out their new theory. None of us really paid too much attention to much of the story-based elements of the game, focusing almost exclusively about, exclusively on the puzzles, but I'll probably never forget how much fun we had just wandering around the island, hopping from panel to panel whenever we got stuck. Yeah, that's a, that's, that is a nice... I, I have, I've played adventure games that way. Yes. Uh, I've never quite played a puzzle game that way. And I think that sounds mm-hmm. sweet. 
Yeah, I'm happy it worked out for you, and it wasn't like when The Simpsons tried to collaboratively solve the Rubik's Cube. Oh, the Rubik's Cube. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Also, I got to do a, uh, a mea culpa uh, on that witness thing. I said that there were something like, I'm responsible for a factual error we made. Okay. Um, I said something like there were something like 20 environmental puzzles. Mm-hmm. What In my brain, um, it's something like 20%. Yeah, so like so, 650 puzzles, 100 or so of them are environmental. Yes. Like, that's what I was trying to say, and then in my head... I mm-hmm. ended up saying like a number that is, it's not an insignificant difference. It's a huge difference, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of that. Yeah. My point mildly stands where I still think that the neatest thing about the game is something that it doesn't engage with Yeah, for most of its, its runtime, but it runs, it does a lot more with it than I was giving it credit for. Mm-hmm. So that was my goof. And it was just my brain mixing up 20 and 20%. Yeah. So uh, apologies for that. Somebody pointed that out on the Patreon and uh, they, you know, we alluded earlier to Patreon responses. Everybody's really polite who who disagreed with us. Like, you know, we're fine. And that one was like literally just me being wrong. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate uh, somebody correcting us. Yeah. Correcting me specifically. And that is a uh, good purpose for these dispatches to, to fulfill is addressing that stuff. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, retractions column. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fenreliania. Uh, good job, buddy. Contact. Yeah. Hey, I remember from when, uh, <laughs> And they uh, sponsor the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the witness is more concerned with being clever and having clever puzzle mechanics than with a player ever understanding them. So many times in this game, I thought I understood a mechanic until it just stopped working. I had to look up a puzzle just to see what the rules even were. Bonus team are mediocre puzzle designers who think the world of themselves. You can see a cool alligator through one of the windows in one of the swamp rooms, which is my favorite memory from the game. Uh, Jonathan Blow peed in a jug for this game, and somehow that sums it up better than anything else. We didn't talk about the pee jug did, somehow. D- did he pee in the jug? I think he like he, he he shared a picture of it, and that was just a prop. My, my read was that it was a prop that they used for the end, for, for, for the end yeah. and people assumed because of the context that he was literally... It was like piss-socking cha- it. Yeah, which, you know, there, there's enough stuff... To be annoyed about with him without making it up, too. <laughs> so yeah, who 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 even knows? Right. I just right. Uh, I just am kind of surprised that we left that money on the table because <laughs> it feels like the kind of thing we would have talked about. It. Or I would. I mean, I'll be fair. Like I, I was going to talk about that piss jug. Uh, <laughs> we, so. we, we we mentioned the piss jug when it appeared in the uh, in the uh, ending oh, yeah. in the end cut scene uh, yeah. because I because I said you you definitely are looking through the eyes of somebody who is yanking out a catheter. So oh sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh it's i think also we were really concerned with more legitimate and damning right critiques of the man's personality by by by, by, by that by that point we had reached ahead of steam actually taking apart uh that yeah, being stuff. a little bit mad and it's hard to be mad at a jug of piss <laughs> you, know, you live in a major city you see them every once in a while like yeah they're about i mean even out in the country dude trucker bombs yeah. like you're yeah. just gonna see it <laughs> <laughs> people get trucker bombed you plus five percent accuracy throwing trucker bombs on a moving vehicle <laughs> what i'm saying is piss jugs are uh an uh, an inescapable factor of life and so yeah. forgive me for not remarking on this specific one gotta piss in, a, piss in something <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take us on a whole tangent on this because even despite our efforts we're still running a little bit long that's fine um but since i'm moving again i'm reunited with my horrible idea of like what if when you moved you had to take all the piss and shit that you made in the apartment with you <laughs> like you were responsible for moving it with your stuff and then just taking it to the new house and then flushing it down that toilet yeah yeah <laughs> and like taking that all and i don't know no i just like 
yelling drums and shovels. Uh, again, to be tossed about a tweet guy, I was real uh, proud of one uh, when that Naomi Wolf lady got kicked off of Twitter for saying that we mm-hmm. need to separate the uh, the waste of vaccinated and unvaccinated people. Uh, so that mm-hmm. uh, vac- vaccinated people don't pollute the groundwater, I I, tried, I said, look at this naive fool, not under, not knowing that the government separates all of our waste and stores it in, stores it separately anyway. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, also, urine is sterile. Yeah. Dumb shit. It doesn't matter how vaccinated I am. That shit's manna from heaven. Yeah, it's basically an ambrosia salad and a potluck. Like it's fine. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I just like the idea of there being like underneath Arlington Cemetery or whatever, just a vast <laughs> complex of <laughs> the great, like the septic tank of the unknown soldier's piss. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, yeah, just imagine like a like a. <laughs> a jug being shipped back to a family and then doing the full like 21 gun salute funeral yeah. with all the guys saluting it and everything yeah it's a brick full of coffin it's a coffin full it's of bricks brick. for a soldier lost at sea but also here's yeah. all his piss it's a coffin full of jugs of piss yeah. that were not lost at sea god damn uh, oh man um we are cartoons uh she 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 on or cheyenne uh, uh writes via contact saying uh as someone who played and loved the witness before knowing anything about jonathan blow i think that's probably the optimal way to play it also there's something really cool in the game that you guys didn't mention uh and that's the lake uh, the lake is a mini map. When you look at it, all the, flo- the all the floating lanterns are lasers. The statue of the woman is the mountain. Um, the same statue is on the side of the mountain overlooking the marsh and looking toward the tree houses. All of the things in the lake are puzzles and things relating to the puzzles. Yeah, it also uh, keeps track. Like you can you can tell how much stuff you have left by looking at those things um on there. Like the basin Majula. Yeah, it's a it's a real good touch. I like the synecdoche of that. That that that, that yeah. is cool. Um if we didn't mention it is just cuz it didn't fit anywhere as like an area to talk about as its own thing. Yeah, we just or just forgot cuz it's a big game. Yeah. But yeah, that is a cool detail. And thank mm-hmm. you for pointing it out. Yeah. Uh, David says via contact, I enjoy the witness overall, but well, you might say, uh, might, you might be reluctant to say it, but I will. I thought most of the philosophical content was pretentious twaddle. I do have a very STEM heavy background, education in maths and physics employed as a low level systems programmer for many years. Not proud of it, but I've drifted a bit close to some STEM lordy ideas from time to time. But the, this picture is easy. It's got people in it. Video you're marked on also rubbed me very much the wrong way. Not just because it's so dismissive of other types of knowledge and expertise, but because it seemed to present a false dichotomy and therefore misunderstand the hard science side of it as well. The false dichotomy that is presented is one of the most upsetting things to me about it, actually. <laughs> There's tons of discourse about that video in the Slack. And yes. a lot of people like yeah. that Burke, mm-hmm. uh, that fella. And apparently uh, that video is a very small part of a much larger conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I was thinking about is like the culpability of editing, mm-hmm. you know? So really the fact that just the worst part of that video that made that point says more about blow, including it yeah, than it does about, you know, Burke. the point that Burke was you know? trying to make in the longer video, yeah. it does go on to kind of say that there is a bit more, you know, conversation between them, but it, but it leads with, it leads with what feels like a thesis that blow is trying to it's highlight. Super dismissive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like blow, you know, highlights multiple theses through those, those videos and stuff. But that one was just very gross. Mm-hmm. 
it was like a visceral reaction I had to that. Yeah. And, you know, in the Slack, tons of Burke fans were like, no, that, that man's actually great. The video's yeah, really yeah. good. If you watch it, you I know he's good. That series, sure. Connections, apparently is really good and is famous with with lots of people who are not us. I had not really yeah. seen it. So, uh, you know, apparently that is that is worthy of attention um, and uh, uh, gr- greater things. There's there's a bigger context to that. My 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 thoughts on that individual video in the context as it's prevent- presented still stands, I feel. Yeah. yeah. I'm more of a Beekman's world. <laughs> I kind of fell with that giant rat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a Mr. <laughs> Wizard. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mr. Wizard's such a cranky asshole. I know, it's really right? Funny. It's great. It's a really funny show. <laughs> it really doesn't like kids or science. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Zumbini writes via contact saying, The Witness is probably the most flawed game that I absolutely adore. I'll admit that Blow inserts a ton of pretentious stuff in there. That entire sections of the game lock out people who are colorblind or hard of hearing. Uh, I myself couldn't do the sound puzzles due to not recognizing pitch. Uh, and that some of the environmental puzzles are 100% grade A bullshit. I'm looking at you, video puzzles. And yet, I bought this game on day one, played for six hours straight, bought about Tetris pieces the next day at work, and mainlined the rest of it as soon as I got home. Uh, this game absolutely got its hooks into me from the first second and refused to let go. The moment I beat the timed challenge at the end was one of my top five gaming moments, one of the top five gaming moments of my life. Um, I can't defend a lot of what Blow put into this game, but it still remains one of my personal favorites. As an aside, I don't think you mentioned it during the episode that in the optional end game area, uh, accessible after you turn on all of the lasers, uh, there are recordings detailing the in-universe voice actors um, uh, discussing recording the quotes you find lying around outside. It gives some more context to the purpose of the island itself. My interpretation is that the island was built as a VR meditation aid. Yeah, there's part of that that I know we mentioned where yeah. canonically the idea was it was a simulation to achieve some kind of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember talking about that. We didn't talk about the specific recordings uh, yeah, during that because we only made note of a couple of the audio note things. But it's good to have those, uh, you know, brought, yeah. brought to the fore as well. The, the fact of these uh, dispatches. The fact that they're in the challenge also means that we didn't spend time in that area and so didn't talk about them in that particular yeah. part. Yeah. And you can, you can, you know, we could, we could talk about the decision to add that context to the challenge zone, Mm -hmm. you know, of your game. Like we're going to add this context to a place that we're specifically making for hardcore people. Mm -hmm. Enjoy that. Like there, there are ideas being communicated by making that a reward. Yeah. You know, and putting that in that area, but oh, we've talked about it enough. I think that it's it's a weird thing where it's like you either have the 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 lens where you see Jonathan Blow's fingers like permeating this in ways that kind of squick you out, or you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, um, yeah. And if that doesn't, you know, I can understand that not bothering somebody, even though to me, it's weird because it's like even that added context, which should be kind of a balm, ends up just feeling bad because it's like, man, you put that in your like difficulty fuck section. Yeah. Don't yeah. you think that's something that every player should be able to learn about? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know. It just, it, it's one of the, like, there's an episode of the office called, did I stutter? Where <laughs> Stanley from the office uh, snaps at Michael uh-huh. and they have a confrontation. It's a really good episode. I love it. And he's talking to him and he says like, I do not respect you. Like every decision you make, I would make the opposite one. Mm-hmm. And I think about that with Jonathan blow, <laughs> like that's the feeling I get from this game where it's like, I just, I would take a different tact. I feel like I have a different outlook on every single one of these things than you do mm-hmm. and not just different, but like almost opposite. Yeah. 
You know, no. are you saying you, you, you could do it better? No, I don't think necessarily no. not to put words in your mouth, but I, I'm kind of trying to head off straw men or whatever. No, it's just opposite. It's different sensibilities. Yeah. I would just make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Like gifted, even with his talents, like I would make a different choice. If I were that puzzle designer, I'm like, yeah, to me, mm-hmm. I don't want to have the added context for this to be in the challenge zone. Yeah. I just wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it seems obvious to me. It's hard to, it, you know, we, we spent like two hours kind of explaining why it's kind of hard to, to sum it up quickly. It just feels very obvious in my gut. <clears throat> yeah. Like, yeah, you don't do that. Yeah. You know, that shit sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but but also I'm super happy Zumbini liked this, you know, to have something oh, rank up like that. And then I can totally put myself in the shoes of somebody who, you know, solves that incredibly tough. It's, it's, it's an accomplishment. I couldn't do that. <laughs> you yeah. know. So yeah. like, and, and and Zoom has been great in the the Slack talking about it as well. Mm-hmm. Like Zoom Zoom is a, a Slack all star and also a big booster and stuff. So good good conversations have been having around this. Yeah. Like yeah. you and I both had, you know, we we're bracing to get hit. Yeah. On um, this. And it turns out like people have been pretty good about respectfully disagreeing. Yeah. With uh, which is nice. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, Nick says, just want to say I'm very excited for you guys to play and talk about the witness. I had a feeling that you might avoid it because of Jonathan Blow, but I think it's absolutely still worth playing for the art and puzzle design. I think it's easier to think of this game as a team effort rather than the work of an auteur, since Blow had several more people working with him on the witness than Braid. In relation to Mist, I prefer how the witness teaches you to solve its puzzles with consistent principles you learn across the island, whereas Mist is a lot more disjointed and follows a different kind of logic. Very curious to hear how you react to the game's philosophical musings, particularly the ones espoused in the films in the movie theater. I think a lot of people view the game as pretentious, but I feel like there are a lot of nuggets of truth and beauty to found uh, found in places as well, particularly in some of those audio recordings. I love that the game is all about perspective and trying to see things from other points of view in order to discover some hidden meaning in the mundanity or chaos. It's a real shame that Blow doesn't seem to have taken his game's own message to heart. That that last part of it does. Uh it is is kind of the undoing thing for me a little bit yeah it comes through to me for sure yeah um and i can i I can agree i can see academically the first point where this does feel like much more of a team effort than something like braid does see our previous comments about you either have the lens where you can see past where where you you either have the lens where you see the fingerprints or you have the lens where you don't see the fingerprints um you know neither is better right i have no uh i hate my heart for for either so, um, and listen to the episode for our thoughts on the, uh, the, the, yeah, the yeah. philosophical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more negative than, than you were hoping, but hopefully, uh, not in a way that feels disparaging to you. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then Doug writes our final one here about the witness saying, uh, the Friend witness, the uh, what's up? Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Doug. Yes. Horizon zero dawn sponsor, Doug. Oh Yeah. Uh, also writing about another game that he that, that, that he sponsored. Uh, we have Doug uh, saying the witness cites mist as an inspiration and in its finer moments than influence is readily apparent. Unfortunately, I found the game actually had more in common with another ancestor, the seventh guest. Um, the, I'm just going to editorialize on this. That is such a savage burn. <laughs> I don't know if Doug meant it to be because Doug didn't pay us to play the seventh guest, but yeah. it does feel like a savage burn to me. And like, you know, there's, there's some joy to be had in the seventh guest, uh-huh. uh, but boy, it's a roughie. <laughs> yeah. The skeleton hand is, does a lot of work in that one. It does. Um, so, uh, continues in that game, just as in the witness, uh, you solve a standalone puzzle and it opens the door to another puzzle. While some of the witnesses puzzles are integrated into the environment, 
damage. The overwhelming majority of them are simply tablets sitting out waiting to be solved, just as in The Seventh Guest. However, this is where the witness's bloat becomes a problem. For me, the ratio of good, mediocre, and bad puzzles in both games is about the same. But The Seventh Guest only has two, uh, only has about two dozen puzzles, mostly varied in terms of type. The witness has 650, virtually all of which are variations on the same puzzle type. I mean, I like The Seventh Guest's chess puzzles, but I couldn't imagine doing hundreds of them. Whereas The Seventh Guest has a killer soundtrack and camp and a campy Halloween setting and story, The Witness has dead silence punctuated by dry philosophical lecturing. Unsurprisingly, without that glue of fun to hold the, wit- the Witness together, no matter how clever any individual puzzle was, I just ran out of steam waiting for something to happen. Only to find out the solution was, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Uh, <laughs> both the seventh guest and Mist were smart enough to know that, congratulations, you solved the puzzle, is not enough of a treat to entice you to more puzzles, let alone a smorgasbord of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Like, that's uh, hitting on what we are talking about with the additional context. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this, this in its rush to kind of strip things around down to be pure... Um, this ended up throwing out a lot of baby with the bathwater. Yeah. You know, like you just get the congratulations and you don't get, you know, I learned more about the Denis. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and you, you're making a reference to the California raisins ending, which where it does say congratulations. I wanted to make sure that was clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. But yeah. Um, uh, God, the skeleton uh, hand, the skeleton yeah, suit. Well yeah. <laughs> it, it it does make me want like i don't want to play seventh guest again really but i would like to just if it wouldn't have overhead on my computer just change my mouse to that skeleton hand all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah enjoy that uh, uh moving on to uh comments about uh super mario 3d world joel who sponsored the episode thank you joel mm-hmm. uh says via contact i need to say how much i love the cherries the way the challenges stretch your brain in ways that mario games haven't before it makes for a really refreshing power-up as somebody who likes to multitask i enjoy trying to maneuver all the little madrox peaches <laughs> uh to, to dodge enemy attacks and also collect more cherries to make more dupes the uh, stress of it all reminds me of playing an arcade shoot 'em up except inside a Mario game. I hope the cherries come back in the sequel that they must be working on. We all hope. Uh, I, too, would also, I want the more cherries. That's a, that's a good power-up design. Really good power-up design. Um, and the kind of, you know, the Bowser's purification of that where it's, it's feeling a little bit less controlled and constrained mm-hmm. um, makes me feel like maybe that is possible. Hopefully. You know, like give me, give me cherries on top of uh, multiple costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, give me cherries with the hats. That's stuff. Like just all of them, all of them shooting a fireball at once in the direction yeah. that you go. Yeah. Um, just Good wrecking shit. crew. Yeah. Um, and thank you for sponsoring that episode, Joel. I was happy to uh, yeah. revisit that game. It was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, William writes via contact. I recently played this game co-op with my brother, and it was great. We were constantly battling for the crown. Sometimes, uh, if I knew I couldn't keep the crown, I would jump off to my death to keep him from getting it. <laughs> love the game. <laughs> I love the show. Second thought, when I used the cherry to duplicate Mario, I kept thinking, which Mario was the original? I was wondering if the original Mario died, then who was I playing as? Freaked me out in a weird transhumanism kind of way. Super Mario 3D World Soma Edition. <laughs> yeah, Super Soma Mario. 3, 3D, 3D. Mama yeah, Mia. absolutely. Mama Yua. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which one is Mia? 
uh, yeah, that, that shit. Uh, that shit is scary. Yeah. Uh, read read about it as it relates to uh, teleporting in Star Trek and stuff too. Uh, none of it's good. Uh, don't don't sign up for any of those things because you die. <laughs> um, Luke says via contact. I always liked Super Mario 3D World, but it's much easier to defend post Mario Odyssey. Before this game was announced, I was eagerly awaiting the successor to Super Mario Galaxy. When I saw that we were instead getting a follow up to the 3DS little 3DS's little side game, I was pretty disappointed. I still played the game and really enjoyed it, but the levels made of simple building blocks and the very directional controls were no match for the playful elasticity of controlling Mario in creative, gorgeous worlds. Now that we've had that dream uh, dream game and we can appreciate 3D World for what it is rather than resenting it for what it isn't. Uh, this game does a pretty good job of acting as the missing link between 2D and 3D Mario. It handles co-op much better than the 2D uh, games ever did. It has playable cat princesses. It's Cherry's Ask difficult prestige-like questions about the original <laughs> and the copy. Uh, this is a good game. It, it is a good game. And I like it how is, so far we're three for three on commenting on the Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I again surprised we left that money on the table in the yeah. episode. Just, just God, you know, the the power inherent to the phrase Madrox peaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Madrox specifically uh, duplicates himself when when with impact. Mm -hmm. So that'd be like a, a peach that if you wanted more peaches, you just like flick it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, or like throw the peach at somebody, and then it would become two peaches, mm -hmm. and then four when they landed on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> feed the good. world it yeah. reminds me of the there's like uh the glitches you can do in oblivion to like unlimited like dupe things mm -hmm. and create the portal to the elemental plane of watermelons or whatever <laughs> you know I love just that. watermelons until the game crashes spot. yeah yeah <laughs> it's so good god yeah. oh man just one of my one of the best early youtube videos yeah, <laughs> the, the, the so yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 punchy I, I didn't get very much sleep because a, a car hit my house at 3 a.m in the morning so yeah we, were let's, they, let's, let's wrap this up were they fans of a comic book <laughs> character gary <laughs> yeah uh, big fans of either the punisher or the cops okay it's hard to tell <laughs> uh joe writes here's our final response here uh joe writes via contact my first child was born in 2014 gaming is a favorite hobby of mine so naturally my son started wanting to fiddle with the controllers as he got a little older once he was about three years old uh he had finally reached a point where he could vaguely play a game rather than just randomly mashing buttons other than a few beat-em-ups, Turtles in Time, Castle Crashers, etc., where the simplicity of go-right-hit guys worked for him, uh, just about everything was too complex to make any real headway. One of the first games we were really able to sit down and play through together was Super Mario 3D World. Uh, it's easy enough to farm hundreds of extra lives in the second stage, and the bubble system makes the game endlessly forgiving. My son uh, could make mistakes, and it wasn't ever a real detriment to our team. Uh, he could come right back without feeling like he had failed. On occasions when I died, he could still feel like an asset just by staying alive and being a bubble anchor for dad. Tons of short levels, many with new gimmicks or tricks, and the bright charm of Mario made sure neither of us were ever bored, unlike playing through the same beat-em-up for the 10th time. Just last year, we tried to play New Super Mario Bros. Wii together. Uh, the button you hold to run is also the button to grab another player, which in a small 2D space means you are constantly grabbing one another and completely ruining each, other, each other's jumps. It's infuriating. It only made Super Mario 3D World look all the better by comparison. It is still a favorite game of ours. A joy at 3 or 30. 
Nice. Yeah. I love stories yeah, like that. Very sweet. Yeah. It's very sweet. Um, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for reaching out. Um, if you have things to say about July's games, please reach us at duckfeed.tv slash contact um, by July 15th. Those games are Horizon Zero Dawn. And then what, what, what? Um, little schedule switch up here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do the Stanley Parable, then Heat Signature. Yeah. Uh, because of my move. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, premium episode for that month for July is going to be Prey 2016 or 2017, whichever year that came out in. 16, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we're ready to announce August. Yeah, this is a big uh, one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so starting off, uh, something I'm really excited about, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing Sam and Max Save the World. Yeah. Uh, the um, first uh, season of Telltale Sam and Max games. Uh, an era mm-hmm. of Telltale that is not remarked upon very often. No, but it's still very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I have really fond memories of those games, and it's been a minute since we've done a straight-up adventure game. Yeah. Um, very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, the second game we're doing that month is Paradise Killer. Uh, this is yes. a game that I've dipped into and have really enjoyed kind of the tone and lore of. Uh, and, uh, boy, I like a good mystery. Uh, several. I think it was uh, my friend Will's favorite game. Hmm. of last year showed up on a bunch of those lists and i didn't know anything about it mm-hmm. uh, i assumed based on the name it was a danganronpa style and will <laughs> liking it like a time travel <laughs> visual novel right right no you it's know, a, uh, apparently is not it, it it is not um yeah and then the yeah. pre the premium episode that month this is a big one it's going to be a long episode too because uh, we made yep. a choice to do it as one episode rather than uh, uh breaking it out but it will be our summer jrpg uh we're doing yes. chron- we're doing chrono trigger it's time it's time to chrono trigger. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely excited to be yelled at for saying this game is really, really good and still a little bit overrated. <laughs> uh, you know, so get your tomatoes ready. Yep. Uh, to, to, to throw at me. Um, but I'm actually really excited to play it. It's been long enough since we played a traditional JRPG that I'm like mm-hmm. really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, there are a million different ways to play Chrono Trigger. I'm gonna bust out my three DS oh, yeah. or my DS copy. I, I love that. That's, that's the best version. I love that so much. Yeah. yeah. And just an excuse to get out, you know, get out my DS will feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just wonderful music and stuff. That'll be a real fun episode. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a shorter, it's on the shorter side. The reason why we can do that in one episode is it's like a 25 hour game. Mm-hmm. And the mechanics are not to, necessarily know? complicated. So the yeah, generalities it's a, won't very, be very simple in that. Um, so yeah, uh, everybody will get the generalities. Patrons will get the full episode at $5. Mm-hmm. Um, we have cool stuff coming up the month after that as well. Um, it's all, it's all smooth sailing for the rest of the year. Like mm-hmm. everything that we have, I think is, is cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And we, uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you sticking with us and, uh, supporting us and all of those things. It's all great. Yeah. Uh, so to get those premium, premium episodes, go to patreon.com slash TV. Check that out. You get all of the premium episodes and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, as we approach summer here, uh, it is, you know, just kind of a nice reminder of how cool it is to have this job and, uh, yeah. we could not do it without your support. So thank you. Absolutely. And uh, until next time, take care of yourself. Take care.